This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Well, hello. Welcome in. They switched the samples. You're at the Blockbuster Film School, and I am Alex Bonner, joined as always by the very lovely Nicholas Souter. Provasic! We have a very special guest here on our 50th episode. It's not just Super Producer Brian Tapps, who is also here. He uh, refuses to have a microphone, but he is not wearing a shirt, which is nice. And then we have, from B-Movie Mania, one of the great heroes in the history of America, Mr. Mike Hayes. They named me Han Solo because of masturbation. So whoever had that bet, <laughs> it was that? in the first minute. Yeah, your bingo card. <laughs> you just Yahtzeed. I don't know how that works. Uh, hey, everybody. If you haven't figured it out yet, we are talking this evening, or whenever you're listening to this, about Mr. Harrison Ford. That we're doing Bruce Campbell. Uh, a different episode? He's slightly less famous yes. than Bruce Campbell. His movies made a little bit more money than just a little bit. He is one of the most profitable movie stars in the history of Hollywood. He also has been nominated for one Academy Award, which he did not win, even though he's been in something like seven movies that have been nominated for Best Picture. So he's been nominated for four Golden Globes. He hasn't won. That's true. People are mad at him. I don't know at the Academy Awards. He didn't even go to the Academy Awards that he got nominated for, but whatever. So maybe that's why. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants to smoke weed. Honestly, it's very interesting to listen to him in interviews because he is so chill. It is to a level that is insane. He speaks in this very extremely low-key sort of tone. He's funny and sly, but his voice never sort of really gets much higher than this. He's kind of soft-spoken, and uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, but uh, we'll do our usual gambit. Nick, what was the first Harrison Ford movie that you remember seeing in your life? The first Harrison Ford movie I remember seeing advertised was Working Girl. Sweet. It was on the uh, preview channel, and I remember it because I think Melanie Griffith was in her underwear. That sounds right. And Harrison Ford, they were in an office. I don't know. I haven't seen the whole thing. Sigourney Weaver's great. Yeah. But I, Indiana Jones. Hell yeah. Indiana Jones is timeless. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't remember which one it was, but we watched The Last Crusade. I think I watched it in four different grades at some point, but the teacher just put on Last Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all Somebody's right. Somebody's got a hangover. It's two days before Christmas break. I started a little early. Here. <laughs> There's the Holy Grail, Sean Connery, whatever. Why? Shut up. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what was the first Harrison Ford movie you remember seeing? I was going to say Star Wars because that's an easy one, but I think it was Indiana Jones. I have a very vivid memory of Indiana Jones as a kid, like specifically Temple of Doom for some reason. Mm. I think I was a dark child. And I really like that <laughs> one the best. I still think it's my favorite, though revisiting it, Willie is very annoying. Oh, there are it. a lot of characters who are very annoying in that but, movie. Yeah, I think my first was saying my nerddom as a child is even a very small child of seeing Return of the Jedi and having it on VHS and literally being so small I didn't know how to read, but I figured out how to use a VCR so that I could... <laughs> watch Jabba the Hutt talk shit to people over and over again. And uh, I just instantly liked this weird groggy guy who they woke up out of of being <laughs> a statue. I was like, as a kid, I was like, what the fuck is happening? 
So you liked Jabba the Hutt a lot? I did. I did. Okay. did I, were you excited then with the special edition when they no. added in Harrison and Jabba that's, interacting so much? That's uh, Alex's only tattoo. <laughs> it's where they have it. It goes right across his chest. It's like Thug Life, except oh, yeah. it's just that scene and it plays out <laughs> in the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adding Jabba into the first one with bad CGI was even <laughs> in the mid-90s, as even a huge Star Wars nerd, I... Kind of had shook my head in the movie theater. Just, oh, Jesus Christ. You know what would have been great is if mm. they just never added the CGI and just dubbed it with Jabba's voice and some weird fat English guy <laughs> in a robe. He looked like King Ralph. Yes. If like, you've never seen the original clip of <laughs> quote unquote Jabba. They should have left it. Never explained yeah. it. Why is just Robert like, Baratheon here? Yeah. yeah. Six years later, it's a fat guy in a lizard suit. How did he get there? <laughs> Also, the Greedo scene is so good, and that's a guy that Jabba sent, so you already know Jabba. It's one of those things where, why have that? It's You're cutting out the suspense. Jabba would send someone. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I digress. We could talk about this more. We're here to talk about a certain man, myth, legend, a man named Harrison Ford, who I do not believe has a middle name, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, he was born on July 13th, 1942. He is 79 years old in Chicago, Illinois. He was born at Swedish Covenant, so... Oh, nice. Yeah. He grew up a little bit as a kid in Chicago and then moved to Park Ridge. Park Ridge is one of the John Hughes suburbs that's just on the northern border of Chicago. I only kind of bring it up because he went to Maine East High School, which was the same high school that my mom went to, so just a little weird fun fact. I should say his dad was a advertising executive, and his mom was a radio actress for a long time. His mom was an Ashkenazi Jew born in Minsk, and his dad was the classic Chicago Catholic German Irish. And I only bring it up because Harrison Ford has this awesome quote where he says, as a man, I've always felt Irish. As an actor, I've always felt Jewish about his shared heritage. I don't know what that means, but. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'll say about? I like that his mom had a job. His parents, Harrison Ford is so old, his parents had jobs that don't exist anymore. <laughs> it's true. That is absolutely true. I'm an actress on the radio. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. His mom had a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there's some fun stuff. Uh, when he was asked which religion he and his brother were raised in, Ford said Democrat. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, this is what I'm talking about. The guy's a fun dude. He always has been. Uh, he was a Boy Scout as a child, which is, and was super into the Boy Scouts. I only bring this up because, you know, and then characters he would play later, like Indiana Jones and the president and, you know, even Han Solo a little bit, these kind of adventure type characters. He was a big outdoor nerd. He achieved Life Scout, which is... Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He was a nerd for the Boy Scouts as a child. So that, I assume that's higher than Eagle Scout. It, it, that's like when you're into. Yeah, like it's okay. like the second highest rank. Like Eagle is good. That's like being if I remember from my cousins doing it, that's very good and what you aspire to be. But then there's like a couple of ranks like more. Higher. Yeah. They're like, look at your, you're not going anywhere in life now. So why don't we just let you keep doing like they're the, they're like the fifth year seniors. <laughs> This kid really loves to play with knots and knives. We told yeah. him not to come back. He's done. We gave him all this stuff, but this fucker's still here. So we'll just get a life scout. There you go, buddy. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of being on a like, sex offender list. It's like, this guy is so chill. Just here. Here, you little dork. Hang out in the woods. 
<laughs> so, as I said, he graduated from Maine East in 1960. The high school started its radio station that year, and he was one of the main guys, and he was the first voice that it was ever broadcast on the high school radio station. So he was already kind of an AV nerd. He went to Ripon College in Ripon, Wisconsin. Everybody, that's not a place. I, <laughs> that's uh, apparently people. That's, that's what you call it when you just go to college to drink. You're like, uh, I'm gonna grip it and rip it. Yeah, that's where that's, I went. Yeah, I'm in fucking Sigma Nu. <laughs> I don't know. I would have died if I went to college in Wisconsin. I would have just based on how people drink at weddings in Wisconsin. And those are like 60 year old people. If you were hanging out at Ripon College on a Saturday night in 1960, how many people got accidentally killed in like fraternity hazing? Anyway, he called himself a late bloomer, though, because he didn't take his first drama class until the last his senior year of college and then had never really acted before and became obsessed with it after that. And he went and did a summer stock thing with the Belfry players in Northern Wisconsin, which was his first paid acting gig. I've never seen a summer stock production of anything. So like he's up in like Minocqua or yes. something like that. Yes. Just doing summer stock, eating uh-huh. breakfast at the Paul Bunyan. That's right. All right. Doing Hamlet or something. <laughs> <laughs> but also as we will talk about, In college, though, that was where he really started to work as a carpenter and hone his trade. He just assumed that he would be a carpenter. That was what he wanted to be, but it didn't work out that way. After that, him and his wife decided to move to Los Angeles, and he kind of instantly, based on his handsomeness, got a $150 per week contract with Columbia Pictures' new talent program. So there's a story about the move to California that after the summer stock thing in Wisconsin, him and his wife were both in the summer stock program, literally had their car loaded up. They didn't know where they were going to go next. And he knew that basically the only two places you could be a professional actor were New York or LA. And they decided to flip a coin to see where they would go. And they flipped the coin and it came up East. And Harrison Ford said that he was so done with the winters and just didn't want to do it anymore. He's like, how about best two out of three? And the two out of three went to LA. And so they moved to Los Angeles it would be very fortuitous for Harrison Ford, particularly. He did okay. Before the show, we made reference there is, in his very first movie role, he plays a bellboy in Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round. That's a title. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> What's that even mean? Is Charles Bronson in that? <laughs> <laughs> He's just shooting people on a merry-go-round. He's it's- just confused because he couldn't figure out how to get off the merry-go-round. They wouldn't slow it down for him. <laughs> So he just starts shooting in the middle of the ride. <laughs> this is a weird Death Wish movie. Have you guys seen the clip of him as the bellboy in Dead Heat on a merry-go-round? It's hard to say that. I have to keep looking at it on the. It, it doesn't make sense as a series of words. It yeah, does not. It does, but, it but yes, I've seen the clip. <laughs> it's kind of infamous because it's just him saying, "Paging Doctor Herman" or something like that. It literally would come back in. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, at the end, those are the lines they give Pee-wee are the opening lines for Harrison Ford's entire career, basically. (laughs) Paul Rubens really had his... Oh, shit. I'm high as fuck. (laughs) I'm high as Harrison Ford. (laughs) Every day. We're not going every day, yeah. That's why he stopped being a carpenter. Oh, yeah. No carpenters have ever gotten high. You can't be this high. 
I don't know. Like, Jesus was pretty high. Uh, well, we have brought some nails and a hammer, right? So <laughs> yeah, we're going to start... see how you do. Yeah. I'm building the bookcase from Ikea with no direction. Perfect. <laughs> It'll be great audio, too. Yeah. <laughs> banging, do... banging, banging, scream, cursing. Yeah. <laughs> little little inside fact. Uh, while, whenever we record the show, Nick is doing molding on doorways. Whenever he's... It's the only time I have to sit with my molding pieces. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, the crowning is beautiful. Oh, I didn't do this. Oh. <laughs> The cartouche, I will Thank say, the, and then we'll stop talking about this, but apparently Ford stopped working with Columbia Pictures because on the set of Dead Heat on a Merry-Go-Round, he apparently pissed off director and producer Jerry Tavosky, who said that he was delivering the lines wrong. And then he told Harrison Ford a story, Tavosky did, that when the very first movie that Tony Curtis ever did, he delivered a bag of groceries. And when he did it, he did it like a movie star. And Harrison Ford told him to go fuck himself. Yeah, that seems appropriate. Like, what the fuck? He's got one line he says five times. That's it. So after that, he went and he ends up getting a job with Universal, basically in the same program. They would hire younger actors to just be slaves for the studio, basically. Uh, He worked as a carpenter on the side. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in a George Hamilton movie called A Time for Killing. Anybody see that movie? I know of it. I know that. Yeah. Is that an Easter movie? Uh, it's a movie about Easter. It's about the Easter Bunny running amok. It's a Glenn Ford, George Hamilton movie. The tagline is two violent men and a violated woman." Oh God! God. Jesus. All right. Well, Ugh. I'm all right with skipping it. I guess. <laughs> yeah. During that time period in the later '60s, he toyed with changing his name because there had been an actor named Harrison Ford who was a silent film movie star, and he started calling himself Harrison J. Ford, even though he does not have a middle name. He just hmm. was like, hey, Jay. Would that be a good bit or would that be a real bad bit to be like at parties? You're the guy who's like, no, I'm not that Harrison Ford. I'm the silent. I like the silent. <laughs> that, then you're that guy who's like, you know, the swastika used to be a symbol <laughs> oh, God. for peace. Mm. Oh, oh, boy. Here we go. Here's this guy. Uh. Um, <laughs> he ended up not going with it because Universal Studios told him it was dumb and not to do that. So... He did what they told him. Universal also had way more TV work. He worked on a lot of big 60s, early 70s TV shows like Gunsmoke, FBI, FBI. Love American Style, and Kung Fu. Anybody ever see any of his clips? Where oh, he- I watched a bunch of Kung Fu. My dad loved it, so I saw like a bunch of that, but I couldn't have told you he was yeah. in it. Like I <laughs> may or may not have seen him, but... I saw a clip of him on Love American Style. Mm. I It's nothing going on in my head. No, right I agree, and... He just kind of struggled as an actor for most of the late 60s, early 70s, working in lots of smaller movies. He was in a Michelangelo Antonio movie called Zabriskie Point. He was just in a lot of bit parts. He continued to work, though, as a carpenter and then even at the studios got hired on as a carpenter for the studios and started to work towards being a union carpenter, which he figured he could do even if acting didn't work out. Strangely, this would be the thing that would be the most fortuitous for him because Working as a carpenter led him to work on THX with a guy that we've done an episode on. You may have heard of him. His name is George Lucas. Yes. Yes. Um, actually, well, <laughs> oh, this, no, yeah. the, the legend goes that yeah. he was working, like, building cabinets for George Lucas. Mm-hmm. But that's false. 
He was actually building stuff for Francis Ford Coppola. Right, but that would be later. Like, the infamous story is that he ends up being on American Graffiti, and we can talk about that as much as you guys want, but he worked on American Graffiti, and then George Lucas, when he was casting Star Wars, did not want anybody from American Graffiti. Yeah. Because he just wanted to not have Han Solo be Richard Dreyfuss, no matter how much Richard Dreyfuss (laughs) followed him around. Yeah. Uh, And they did the casting at... American Zoetrope, which Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola ran. Mm. And while they were building the new offices for American Zoetrope, Harrison Ford got hired by Coppola to basically build this awesome doorway for his new office. Yes. And he literally was building the doorway all the time while they were running the casting. And so when some people would drop out and couldn't be there to do line reads, Lucas was like, fine, bring Ford in. And he would do the line reads with people. And after a while, he just kind of couldn't deny that him playing the Harrison Ford line reads was better than anybody else they had seen. And he had more chemistry with Mark Hamill. And he very clearly had this like weird chemistry with Carrie Fisher. So, yeah, like you said, he just kind of had to break that rule of not casting anybody from American Graffiti because he was so goddamn good. And he was just there all the time. He was if he wasn't doing the casting, he was I, building. I wonder a door. how long it would have taken him to build the door if he wasn't <laughs> trying to get a part of the movie versus how long he was actually there. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the teamsters are like, well, he's been here this long, though. We got to keep paying him. So technically, he's already in the movie. I mean, carpentry is a very noble job, certainly. But what does that feel to be like in a successful Hollywood film? And then you see your boss on set and you're just doing carpentry and not acting, you know, like you get like you get stuck into like, oh, you doing all right, man. Like, I feel like George <laughs> might have been like, Harrison, you Harry, you can't you cool. Right. You know, and it's yeah. me every time someone recognizes me outside of somewhere. Hey, uh, you still work there? I go, yes. <laughs> You're like, I work to sons. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, him getting his role in American Graffiti, where he played Bob Falfa, the cowboy hat, hot rotting, cool guy, kind of the notorious bad guy. We talked about American Graffiti a bunch in the George Lucas episode. You can go back and listen to it. I think he definitely jumps off the screen as one of the main like pieces of that movie where you say this guy's got something. And before Star Wars, he ended up working with Francis Ford Coppola. He gave him a couple of small roles in The Conversation and Apocalypse Now. I know Apocalypse Now is later. It came out later. But I definitely remember him as the one officer at the beginning of Apocalypse Now when they come to talk to uh, Martin Sheen. He's one of the young officers. I do remember that. I don't remember him in The Conversation. But a uh, little fun fact, in uh, Apocalypse Now, on his uniform, his name was G. Lucas. What a George goofy Luke. and Because George Lucas was like, I need to be referenced in this. <laughs> and then he pulled out a small knife and started oh. cutting himself. They were like, stop, stop. George, calm down. I'll, I'll do sh- it. I'm going to do a real special edition of this knife stab. <laughs> I'll CGI you out later. What does what that is, mean? What is CGI? <laughs> That's how, that was his divorce letter to his wife. <laughs> I'm going to CGI you out of this marriage. I'm not divorced. I'm just in my special edition. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then he slams the door of the trick-or-treaters and releases the dogs. No, those poor trick-or-treaters. He also filmed a bunch of 70s movies called Heroes. He was in Force 10 from Navarone, which is a pretty cool movie, actually. And then he was in Hanover Street. Any of those movies? I've seen Force 10. Yeah, Force 10 was pretty sweet. Yeah. Force 10 was like a... Like a Dirty Dozen-ish kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah, with Robert Shaw and... Oh, yeah, Robert Shaw is yeah, in that. Gregory Robert Peck Shaw. and Richard Harris and... 
Also, like, there's a bunch of young actors, like Carl Weathers is in it. It's one of those movies that Quentin Tarantino likes a lot and references it a lot. And even Inglorious Bastards is kind of his version of Force 10 from Navarone. So I'm hot. I'm hot like the guns of the Navarone. Also, because Super Producer Brian Tepps told me I had to, <laughs> I'm referencing the fact that American Graffiti had... <laughs> That's the greatest intro of all time in this podcast. <laughs> that was... It didn't have Clint Howard in it, but it did have his more successful and better looking brother, Ron Howard. And we did an amazing crossover episode with B-Movie Mania about Clint Howard. We did. Yeah. So... It was really fun. Yeah. Two episodes. I mean... Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. We, One we on their the whole, show. We did the whole thing. Yeah, we did the whole true <laughs> wrap your hands around marriage. Yeah. So... We did our own special editions. Yes. Um... <laughs> We talked about Clint Howard on this lovely podcast and on, on mine, B-Movie Mania, we, we talked about one of his movies, Ice Cream Man. It was very fun. Oh, yeah. The Ice Cream Man is a real classic. It's going it to be on the Criterion soon. Yeah. <laughs> we sell him out of the trunk of his car. <laughs> He's like, do you want a Criterion? It's just scrawled on in crayons. Do you want a Criterion? Or it's how about spelled a, wrong. How about one of my snow globes? <laughs> you try to, like, get Jan Michael Vincent to sign it and he just throws it in the trash. <laughs> Also, if, I will say, though, if you've never seen Ice Cream Man, it is not a good film, but it is definitely a watchable film and how insane it is. I watched that whole damn thing and paid attention the whole time because it is just nonstop nonsense. It's directed by a guy named Leonard Apestein, who was a former porn director. So I think he's yeah, still a, right. an active yeah. porn director. So oh my God. please go back and listen to that episode if you like the show. It's worth even a second listen. But to get back to Mr. Harrison Ford, he ends up making a movie in 1977. With his friend and owner, George Lucas, at the time. It is a movie called Star Wars, in which he plays Han Solo. I, maybe you guys have heard of that movie or that character. I saw that once. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the second one. I don't know. <laughs> Someone asked him once uh, what was his favorite Star Wars movie, and he gave maybe the classiest answer you can give, which is to him, they're not different movies. It's all one big story, and he just likes all of them. So. He's never seen them, and he was so <laughs> high on set, he thought it was all the same movie. Yeah. There's also a notorious story where he's sitting next to Mark Hamill during the premiere of Empire Strikes Back, and when Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker's character, gets his hand cut off by Darth Vader, <laughs> Harrison Ford leaned over to him and goes, Sorry, kid, I didn't know that happened. I only read my parts. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Sounds right. I, I saw him on a Vanity Fair interview talking about his career. Mm. That was my extent of research for this. Um, <laughs> awesome. And he's like, he, he talks about Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And but then like he starts talking about like The Witness and like, these other movies, mm -hmm. these smaller movies, like really hammers the point home that those movies are very important. He's like, <laughs> he's like they weren't as successful, but they're really important to me. You know, I, it's I, like, get, All right. yeah. I get it. I mean, because as we said, if you really think about how many movies he made that made a ton of money, it's madness. Yeah. But then also he made a lot of really good movies that are not as financially successful. And yeah, whenever I hear him interviewed, you kind of get the feeling like those were movies where he got to really expand his acting. Yeah. And he's more proud of those, which I get. I understand entirely because Han Solo is a cool character, but he's just being a cool dude, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's basically Alec Guinness. When it comes to being recognized from Star Wars. It's kind of yeah. true. It's kind of true. Yeah. I was, I won an Oscar. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Can you sign my Star Wars thing? 
I was in the lady killers. <laughs> the, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got fucking Harrison Ford on the street going, I was in the Expendables 3. I was cheaper than Bruce Willis. <laughs> we will get into that. Literally crazy, though, because he basically, for the 70s and early 80s, makes his Star Wars movies. They make an absurd amount of money. It turns him into a megastar. And even crazier than that, during them, in 1981, his other good friend that he had met through George Lucas, a guy named Steven Spielbergio, you may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. He also was a sort of famous director. He still kind of is, slightly, I suppose. I mean, he's famous. <laughs> <laughs> and he's directing movies, but <laughs> he's combined. But <laughs> he then makes a movie that Nick referenced with Muppet Babies, a movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark, in which he stars as Indiana Jones in his second franchise back to back. It's insane. Any Star Wars thoughts, any Indiana Jones thoughts, anything, I don't know, just jumping out at you of. If Indiana Jones is a real person British, these would have been the movies, except there have been accents. And also, if he's a lifetime member of the Boy Scouts, I am thinking the Boy Scouts are super fucking boring. If he's wandering around <laughs> going, what if a big rock just came barreling down on me? <laughs> and then Spielberg's like, yeah, that's good. Uh, put that blunt out. Does Indiana Jones get to have an earring? No, Indiana Jones is not going to have to an earring. Well, listen, I walk. Also, I haven't seen the earring on. Harrison Ford notoriously has a one yeah. diamond studded oh, earring. Yeah. yeah. There's a story behind that. Oh, he apparently is friends with Jimmy Buffett. And that's why <laughs> that's he has the, end the, of the episode. <laughs> I asked some friends, uh, other guys on the podcast. I was like, hey, you guys got any fun Harrison Ford facts that I should know? And then someone, you know, Jay. Hi, Jay. Uh, says <laughs> Hi, Jay. Uh, he's good friends with Jimmy Buffett. And Jimmy Buffett's the reason he got that earring. And I said, I don't want to know if that's true or not. I'm just going to say it. But here's the thing. While I was getting dinner, I'm searching for fun Harrison Ford facts. Holy shit. He's friends with Jimmy Buffett. He did the whip crack on a song and Jimmy Buffett's like album uh, Last Mango in Paradise. He he there's, he, the he does a sound sample of a whip for Jimmy Buffett that's credited in the song. He's fucking friends with Jimmy Buffett, which makes sense about how high he is. So I guess it, it all checks out, but. I don't care if it's real or not. I'm going yeah. to believe. Also, that story is so insane that it probably is true. It probably That's, is true. <laughs> Super producer Brian Tubbs was bringing up this idea that a lot of Harrison Ford's characters kind of bring up his upbringing in Chicago, that he has always in his movies this sort of realism and a bit of a Midwest sensibility. He's he's an asshole. He's <laughs> Harrison Ford is an asshole in everything. A little bit, yeah. He doesn't care, not just his characters, but... You can tell he doesn't care, and it's the best part. Yeah. He's also a smart ass, which yeah, is not like, a thing that happens here. They uh, kill his wife, and he's making little jokes. Yeah, exa- yeah. exactly. He, you can tell he puts away a casserole. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's Oh, yeah. Made out of tater tots, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's in a tater tot casserole. He's way into it. You know it. You see him. Callista, this is delicious. <laughs> I don't know why he's Tony Danza. <laughs> hey, ever soon. That version of uh, Who's the Boss is weird. But little fact, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, but uh, Tom Selleck was all set, all ready to go. They had production. They had posters with Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. He was 100% going to be Indiana Jones. And then basically the hammer got dropped by, was it CBS or NBC that did Magnum P.I.? I forget. But they basically said, hey, man, you can't get out of your contract to do the show. You have to finish your shooting for Magnum P.I. So Tom Selleck had to drop out. And once again, Lucas and Spielberg did not want him to be the guy. But 
there was nothing they could do after that. So they got him and he became Indiana Jones and it exploded. Obviously it became one of the craziest things in the history of the world. And after that, it's interesting that then, as Mike was saying, his choices of what he would pick after he was in these mega successful movies, so he could write his own ticket. Now the first movie he chooses, he very quickly, while he supposedly was on the set of Indiana Jones, Ridley Scott came to set and kind of pitched him in person to be in Blade Runner. He wanted him to be Rick Deckard and Harrison Ford just, according to an interview I saw with him, just found it very interesting and thought it sounded like some, even though it was sci-fi, it sounded like something really different than any movie that had been made before. And he was definitely right on that. And he said that it was the longest and hardest shoot of his life, not because it was physically difficult or because it was bad. He just said it was such an interesting, mentally difficult movie where he was trying to play the character in such a a unique way that it just affected him greatly. I don't know. Any Blade Runner takes? It's interesting you said he thought the script was interesting because his voiceover is very uninterested <laughs> oh. and disengaged. He did well, not want to record I that. Know. He also probably was just against the the. I, I doubt that's even in the script. He's, he's I in, guarantee the studios yeah. had some oh, yeah. dickhead write that, that later. Yeah. 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 But His entire thing was if he did it as poorly as he could, there's no way they would include it in the movie. <laughs> and then the studio assholes are like, this is amazing. He's like, no, no. Oh, damn oh, it. Oh, God. It's like, I knew I should have done it while shitting. Like, I should have done <laughs> yeah. it from the fucking toilet. That's always, like, bands that tell those stories where the studio's like, now just do a stupid song that's, like, just real stupid. And they write, like, the stupidest song they could think of, and that's their biggest that's hit. That's the hit, And yeah. then they have to, Warren has to play Cherry Pie at every I fucking was gonna, concert. Yeah, make the same joke about them being on a cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> Having to literally just three nights out of a weekend just play Cherry Pie five different times. <laughs> They just come out and play one song. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Each time they change the prime rib on the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> also, a little thing that I want to bring up. Harrison Ford didn't really become in the shape of things. He became a megastar when he was 40 years old. He had been running around for a while. Like, when he makes Temple of Doom, he is 40 years old. And now he's 80 years old. So, in terms of people like DiCaprio or something who were megastars when they were 10, it's a different career path because he was a a union carpenter basically until he was 34. Yeah. He's always called himself a late bloomer. It's interesting that just something to think about. Also, he herniated a disc on his back on the set of temple of doom. Oh really? (laughs) Which is the most 40 year old man thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We could talk about also his many injuries that he's done to himself flying his weird planes. Yeah. I was trying, I went to look that up. That was going to be my fun fact. How Mm -hmm. many times did he crash his fucking plane? At least twice. Yeah. At least twice. Right. Also, he does his own stunts, too. He still does, like, to the level where he was on Force Awakens and they had to stop the production of Force Awakens for, like, three months because he was doing his own stunts and broke his leg. Mm -hmm. And he was 70 years old. And and you switch the samples. Uh, He just wants to be Tom Cruise, you know? Tom Cruise (laughs) is, what, 90 now? But he looks like he's 36. He does have Scientology powers. Oh, he does have the blood of children. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zenu. Well, right. Yes. If you follow Dianetics, everybody, you will become Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. That's everyone knows. That. He is the ultimate yeah. form. That's that, what everyone's trying to go. It's actually not. <laughs> Tell that to Giovanna Ribisi. <laughs> it's, 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 it's actually. He's in that. two Ted movies. <laughs> Even though Blade Runner was not a big financial success at the time, it was a huge critical success. And as we all know, became 
maybe the cult classic of all cult classics. Harrison Ford might be the greatest movie star of all time. I kind of agree with you. He's Harrison Ford. It's insane to call Blade Runner a little movie, mm. but nobody gave a shit then. There's mm. 10 different versions of it. True. So he's the greatest movie star of all time in one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. He could just do whatever, but he's always going to be known as just the movie star. I think that's true, but we get into this now because it's a very good segue because even though he explodes out with these big franchises and big movies that are sci-fi action, he then has, in my opinion, maybe his one of his best periods where he's just an actor. He, in 1985... He's in a movie called Witness. Mm-hmm. He starts working with Peter Weir, which is really cool. And he talked about how much he liked working with Peter Weir. Uh, Witness is the only movie that he ever received an Academy Award nomination for. He did not win, which is he's just great. This Harrison Ford, like the even that element where people do not win. Al Pacino got nominated like seven times or something. You know, it, Harrison Ford hasn't gotten nominated seven times. I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, and the craziest bit is Harrison Ford lost to Mina Savino. <laughs> What do you guys think of Witness? I just am curious. I've never seen it, but I want to see it. I know. He oh. plays an Amish undercover He's, cop or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it in like 30 years, but I remember seeing it on HBO on a Sunday, like 7 o'clock. I remember the exact moment I watched it. I remember renting it, me and my parents renting it and watching it. And it's a wild movie. Because yeah. as, as Mike said, it's about an undercover cop who goes into the Amish community to investigate their Amish crimes. And uh, it turns out, even though you're a weird religious cult, you're still sometimes dangerous criminal hillbillies. Yeah. So that's true. Also, the kid is what's-his-face, the one who was in... Haley Joel Osment no. <laughs> as an embryo. No, no. <laughs> Lucas Haas. This is also the only movie, I think... This is Kelly McGinnis, right? Mm-hmm. From Taco This is the only other movie I know she's in. I agree. And also, I think it might be Peter Weir's first real American movie when he came over from Australia. And it was cool because Harrison Ford was talking about how him and Peter became really good friends and they really wanted to work together for a while. And Peter Weir was like, look, I want you to really research the police and how they really work in America. I want you to figure that out. I don't want this to be super fake. And I will do like a ton of research on the Amish community. I don't want that to be super fake. And so it's interesting when they then came together to make the movie, they kind of had these dual perspectives of the script and how it was supposed to work. So it's worth a watch. It's absolutely worth a watch. Yeah, I, I, I plan on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> You have 72 hours. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, wait, that what this collar is? It's going to yeah. blow up if I don't? Fuck. All right. All right. Interestingly enough, he doesn't go to the Academy Awards, the one Academy Awards where he is nominated, which is maybe why. Yeah, he's maybe not that's nominated. why they're like, asshole. You, man, I guess. <laughs> he's an asshole. You won't even come to the party we invited you, dick. What were you doing? You were hanging out with Jimmy, getting an ear piercing? Okay. <laughs> All right. He doesn't give a shit. But interestingly enough, immediately after, him and Peter Weir worked together on another, on a Paul Schrader script that they both really liked called The Mosquito Coast. And so they were in South America filming the movie when the Academy Awards was happening. So they were mm. truly on set doing something else. But South America. Yeah. 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 That's Jimmy yeah. Buffett. Yeah, home. they're in Tampa, just, Florida, fucking doing bog rips. Margaritaville. At Margaritaville. South America. Yeah. <laughs> Belize. They were in Belize. I definitely remember Helen Mirren, River Phoenix, Martha Plimpton. Have you guys ever seen the Mosquito Coast? I've never seen this, and I love Martha Plimpton. Dude, the Mosquito's Ghost is... Mm, yeah, yeah. 
Such a good one. That's the name of his Jimmy Buffett cover band. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. It's about this dude who literally takes his whole family and leaves America because he's sick of America and moves to the jungle. And it's a kind of a dystopian. It's like a real life version of the shining a little bit in which no one oh. actually gets murdered, but your dad goes crazy. You okay. Know? okay. And the family's like, Oh boy, what are we supposed to do about this? <laughs> he's really good in it. He's really frantic and weird, and it always stuck out to me. Weirdly enough, the movie that came after that is a 1988 movie directed by Roman Polanski. He is working with big directors. Mm-hmm. He, is work- yeah. he is Harrison Ford now. He is in movies with big people. He's in a Roman Polanski movie called Frantic. Have you guys ever seen Frantic? I've seen Frantic. What do you think of Frantic, Nick? I liked it. It's it- I, Again, I haven't seen this movie in like 30 years. Yeah. There was a time where basic cable was just uh, reruns of Night Court and Harrison Ford movies. <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah. And whatever USA was putting out. It's, I also will say I saw Frantic, yeah, I think on cable in the mid 90s. I remember it being interesting, but I also remember it being kind of a lesser Harrison Ford and a lesser Roman Polanski movie. After that, he then. Is that made- shot in the US? I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea about, I know Mosquito Coast wasn't. Also, I think putting the word mosquito in a title just instantly makes Americans upset and they don't want to go see it. They yeah. like, no, 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 I don't think so. He then makes the next kind of big hit. That's not him being attached to George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. He is in, as Nick said, the 1988 comedy drama romance movie with him and Melanie Griffith and Sigourney Weaver working girl, mm-hmm. which I've always liked it. I have not watched it in a little while, but I had a VHS copy of it as a kid and would watch it a lot because I liked all of them and thought it was fun and sexy and weird. What do you guys think of Working Girl? I haven't seen it. Mike Nichols directed it. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. You could tell. Yeah. There's, a, there's Working Girl's really good. It's very funny. Sigourney Weaver is amazing in that. I remember watching that with the volume real low when everyone was asleep. Yeah. Mm. Just like, all right, this is fine. And I think there's some stuff now that probably wouldn't fly in movies, which he plays kind of this slightly chauvinistic character. But the way he plays the character, because he's Harrison Ford, I remember it being one of those ones where because he's saying these things, he can sort of get away with it. You know, it's because he looks like Harrison Ford and his delivery has an element, which he has the mega handsome superpower where that's why Han Solo can be kind of a dick because – if he look at him. <laughs> if he acted like Harrison Ford, but looked like Steve Buscemi, these would all be very. Di- these would all be dramas straight out. Yes, there'd be no one laughing. I remember there's a part where he first meets Melanie Griffith, and she's at one of the parties, and he says something. He's like, "I appreciate that you're dressed like a woman, not like what a woman thinks a man should dress like." Something very weird like that, and it's not like a cool thing to say, but the way he delivers it, it's so heartfelt and genuine like he's so glad to see her it 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 always stuck out to me because if you say that wrong at all down to a syllable even as i just did it sounds bad but also also the point he was almost 50 so like yeah he's just an old man at that point (laughs) saying old people shit it's like oh i'm glad you don't have all that shit in your face anymore it's like thanks thanks granddad thanks you want to have sex with me my job maybe Working Girl's crazy But also Sigourney Weaver Is awesome in that movie Sigourney Weaver Is amazing in that movie Melanie Griffith as well We should watch that again But also Budget for that movie 28 million 
box office 103 for a romantic comedy in the 80s that isn't worldwide release. That's pretty goddamn good. Mm -hmm. And is, as I said, his first real big hit where he is not being Han Solo or Indiana Jones, which even further solidifies him as... People don't bring up that hundred million when they're talking about how his movies made like nine billion dollars. Actually, out loud, it, yeah, it's a lot of money. Also, the only uh, Oscar nomination for that movie is the Carly Simon song "Let the River Run." I really hope it lost. Which she won the Academy Award she for Best Original for, Song. God damn it! <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what that song is. If I you heard it right, if you yeah, maybe maybe if I heard it. As we're moving along, eighty nine is his last Indiana Jones movie. I want to bring it up just because I fucking love it. It's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Can- can I ask, can we get the layout of the Indiana Jones movies? Sure. What do you mean? Like, like per, I'll go first personally. Okay. Favorite one is Temple of Doom. It's the darker oh. of them. It's the Empire Strikes Back. But I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark is just a classic fucking movie. It's fucking Agreed. perfect. It's Agreed. classic. Agreed. And then Last Crusade's great, but I think it's the silliest of the movies. It's the dad comedy. You take this back, you son of a bitch. Well, that's, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I'm curious because a lot of people really do love Last Crusade a lot. Like, uh, so I was curious to how that interesting. How Nick, what's fall? your opinion on the three? I'm so glad we segued this way. Yeah, Last Crusade is number one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. It's a little heavy on the Jesus stuff, but it's still my favorite. I love watching Sean Connery getting shot in the stomach. I don't oh, yeah. know. There's something about that's, it. It's just that, amazing. That's the scene. That's the one. No, you no, love? no, no. It's she talks in her sleep. Yeah, uh, they realize they're Eskimo Junior. brothers. Yeah, Jun- it's the oh, best yeah. Eskimo brother scene in the history. And of- also, the scene where he has the umbrella and he gets the pigeons, the, the oh, seagulls, oh, yeah, the yeah, flying yeah. the boat, uh, the plane. Also, oh, I so love good. the John Williams kind of retweak of the music for Last Crusade. The like these sort of flourishes. Uh, Sean Connery gets his own little theme, as you said. Yeah. That piece of music that comes on mm. when he starts doing the daddy the, version. Yeah, yeah, right. Plus, young Indiana Jones, young oh, the character, River Phoenix, man. The character oh, yeah, of young Indiana Phoenix. Jones yeah. should have died with River Phoenix. They I, should have never tried again. I agree. Well, you think the Chronicles of Young Indiana Jones <laughs> are terrible? They are, they are trash. I remember being so excited on Sunday I, nights. Yes, I've definitely. They're made for ten year olds. George Lucas yeah. was totally into it, and when we were yeah like ten years old, they were super great. And then you watch them as an adult, and you're like, oh, this not is not so good. This is like PBS, you know. I mean, it's cheesy as shit. And Harrison Ford is maybe one of our smartest movie stars of all time too, where mm-hmm. he constantly wanted to work with really talented directors. He took good scripts. He was very discerning. He didn't just take movies because people threw them at him. He's one of these people who kind of decided, as you said, maybe in that sort of Chicago upbringing where he's, I don't know, he just wasn't as needy of, I need to be in a movie. I need attention. You know, he just, he was an actual actor who really just wanted to make good things. And I saw an interview with him where he talked about working with Sean Connery and he really liked it a lot and learned a lot because even though him and Sean were these very different personalities, they really got along because they both took acting so seriously. And I think there's an element in Last Crusade for me a little bit where I think the acting jumps up a little bit. And the scenes where they get to work together, that's Mm -hmm. interesting to watch two huge movie stars who have interestingly similar careers a little bit. Mm -hmm. James Bond and Han Solo kind of. Yeah, they both benefit from early-ish on just making eight trillion dollars. Yes. <laughs> and then, but making, being smart and being like, well, I'm just going to do what I fucking want to do. 
as opposed to you know some of these other jackmos that have just done <laughs> fuck I can't think of a name but they're sure. out there. I well, mean Elijah Woods like someone now who kind of does that and like I think uh, what's his name Daniel Radcliffe sure like has picked interesting indie movies he's in because I don't think he cares about making money anymore. No. Yeah. He wants or to do this paths. miracle worker yeah. show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if you think about the comparison of say him and. Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher or something, both also super talented. Both would go on to very successful careers, but not anywhere near the career that he had no. because they took other stuff. They took smaller stuff and weirder stuff. And Hamill would have this huge rise again as a voice actor. And Carrie Fisher would kind of find this niche as this awesome character actor, but none of them became Harrison fucking Ford where <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Well, I mean, if, Carrie Fisher was Harrison Ford. The only thing she would find would be like the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> well, that's an element. So, There's an element. Like, yes. Carrie Fisher tells the story where during the Star Wars holiday special, they hated doing it. Mm. George Lucas openly told them he didn't want to do it. So they just got wasted during it. And when you see the end scene where she sings a song to the theme of Star Wars, she's slurring. It's amazing. My research for this was watching just Harrison Ford on Conan O'Brien, and it is the greatest. <laughs> they are amazing. It's, oh my! It's perfect. They are perfect together. You have the greatest stoner, and then you have a big faced Irish man who just does not have any fucks to give. <laughs> and there's an episode on there where Conan's like he brings up the holiday special, and Harrison Ford starts freaking out like he mentions somebody's name who he killed in Vietnam. He just starts moving around, and I was just like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they showed it, and they're like, here's a clip. And it's Harrison Ford clearly wasted looking at two Wookiees that are not chewy and going, you're like family to me. And they cut to this little Wookiee giving him like the fucking come buck me eyes, and he goes, I've grown very fond of you. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Harrison Ford. He's like, you're welcome. <laughs> also, I got to say, even as a kid, when I finally saw a bootleg copy of the Star Wars holiday special, that story insinuates that Chewbacca is not a cool dude who just hangs out with his buddy going on like space pirate things. He is a deadbeat dad he who has, does not go home and talk to his family <laughs> who he has abandoned. Also, I know this doesn't necessarily involve Harrison Ford because he is only in the special for about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the hard swing for that fucking special where 90% of the dialogue is literally... (laughs) With no subtitles. It is fucking awful. It is so fucking bad. (laughs) It is unwatchable. It's unenjoyable. I like that he's a deadbeat dad. Mm. I feel like not only is that like character deaths, but like he's literally running away from his problems at light speed. <laughs> he is a troubled individual who's like, oh, you're going to murder and steal. I am so with you. I got this kid at home. Yeah. I got to get the fuck out of here. I hate them so much. Kashayak is so lame. And his only 30 seconds in the special is to show up and go, I really like you, but your dad's not staying. We got to go kill this fat fuck. (laughs) Who's after us for our smuggling debts. I mean, look at, he's a criminal for the right reasons, but like, he's still like, (laughs) that's the most Chicago thing you've ever said. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I got nothing else after that, but yeah, it would be weird that your dad's like out there breaking the law, risking his life constantly. (laughs) Like, holy shit. And coming home occasionally on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, for life day. Life day. Yeah. (laughs) 
And the other thing is, like, <laughs> with his, his drunk friends, his <laughs> wife owns a publishing house. He mm. doesn't have to worry about money. No, that's he's true. He's not doing it for the money. That's so true. He's doing it for the dead souls. <laughs> it's entirely true. Also, real fast. Yes. Sorry. We have to do this or Brian's going to cut the whole thing. My second is Raiders. Last is Temple of Temple's Doom. last. You need to say yours. I love all three, but I think it's, I guess I would go Last Crusade. Also, just because I saw it in the theater when it came out. So that was big for me as a nerd. Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I did see that in the theater, too. Yeah. And uh, I do love Temple of Doom, but uh, I probably would put Raiders and then Temple of Doom third, I guess. But it's honestly like I I, I, mean, they're I adore all, all of yeah, them. No, I, it's yeah. kind of the same I, with no, Star Wars. And I think where's like, Crystal Skull? Is that above these oh, or yeah, below these? I'm so these? excited that oh, no one even fucking mentioned I that know. I, I know. Crystal Skull is rough. Should it we is. just pause everything right now and watch Crystal Skull and give it a fair <laughs> assessment? Because we all went in with high expectations. You mean when he got into a refrigerator and survived a new Nuclear blast. Yeah, or the monkey swinging or the <laughs> ants and like all the horse shit, man. All the bad CGI. Also, the fact that like I just think there's something weird about the Nazis as bad guys versus the Soviet Union. It doesn't have the same sort of cachet about particularly at no. that point, this weird impoverished <laughs> like dictatorship that has a bunch of people who are not into it, who are then killed as or put in gulags as political prisoners. It doesn't have the same sort of like weird mythical bad guy thing that the Nazis or even the thuggy have. Yeah. Where yeah. you're like, is the Soviet Union up to this kind of shit? Were they? I don't know if they were. The Nazis were constantly looking for weird yeah. occult stuff to give them magic powers. I mean, I guess the Soviets were in the space race, right? Right. And the main artifact is an alien thing in this one. Right. Which I loved. I mean, I, like, I, I liked the concept I know, it. I wanted it to work. Yeah. But like, I guess, but now it's all shoehorned shit. That's what I mean. I've never I, seen it. You've never saw Crystal Skull? No. You never saw Shit the Beef swing through the trees with the monkeys? I saw that on the internet, but I did not see the movie. Oh, you didn't see it in the I tried to watch it. Oh, shit. I did try to watch this. They were like at a diner or something, right? Yeah, there's a diner scene. There's a diner scene. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. George Lucas, there's always a stupid diner scene. That's where I bailed. Or like that them. was the pro- that was your disconnect. Was, they went to a diner. The one- no, 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 I have nothing against diners. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, or you know movie. how much I talk about diners or the movie diners. The spe- yes, or- Barry Levinson <laughs> yeah. and old servers who smell like cigarette smoke are the cornerstone of this country. <laughs> that okay. is true. Fair, but I could only watch it up to the diner scene. Mm-hmm. So at the point, I was like, "Nope, this is as bad as everyone says." When they asked Harrison Ford what was his favorite part about <laughs> making Crystal Skull, he said. Me and Karen Allen have been friends for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Vanity Fair thing I watched, that they brought that up. That's the only thing he's that's like. That's what he's saying. It was great to see Marion again. Yeah. Uh, it was great. You know, uh, that's all he fucking said. He didn't, he didn't talk about shit the beef. He didn't talk about the monkeys or the ants or any of I, the fridge. I think that's another reason he stuck around is that he's just a, he's a company man. He's never going to talk shit about no matter how stupid it is. That's not the jokes he makes. He'll mm-hmm. make a sly little reference like that, a little, yeah. little like... <laughs> Well, uh, but he's never going to say anything bad. He was on Conan in 2002 for K-19, The Widowmaker, where he made fun of not only the title, but he kept going, why are they Russian? Why are they Russian? And then he'd go, yes, Conan, show the clip. Why are they Russian? He doesn't talk shit about movies that were made by Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or people who are still powerful. Some of these guys who made 
what was it? Hollywood homicide with oh, him. God. He openly talked about how much he hated with, him. Is that the one with Ashton Kutcher? Oh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, different uh, haircut. Ashton Kutcher would have made that movie a million times yeah. better. If they made a buddy cop movie, him and Ashton Kutcher, I would have watched the shit out oh, of that man. movie. That was made by uh, Ron Shelton, right? He made Tin Cup. Yes. Did yeah. he direct Presumed Innocent? Uh, he did not. Oh. A guy named Alan J. Palooka did, who actually... R.I.P. A lot of dead, awesome people in Presumed Innocent, which is the next movie in 1988 that uh, is one of Harrison Ford's best acting roles, I think. He was amazing in it. I'm very surprised that he didn't get nominated for that movie. It's because he pissed them off. Yes, that's true. But Palooka directed All the President's Men. He, Mm. To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, the guy was, he directed a lot of movies that you have seen. Sophie's Choice. Jesus Christ. I know, right. Okay. But Palooka made very heavy movies. Man, the cast in that movie is amazing. Brian Dennehy. Brian, and Raul Julia, RIP. Raul Julia, one of the really great lost actors of Hollywood who died way, way too young. Bonnie Bedelia, who I always liked. Paul Winfield, John Spencer. I mean, it's an interesting movie. It's a little bit of a morality play. It's kind of about a guy who loses his career because he cheats on his wife which happens all the time to big corporate execs. You know, when they cheat on their mm-hmm. wives, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. other guys who work for corporations are like, that's messed up, man, that <laughs> yeah. you did that. They really care a lot. But That's how I got kicked out of Enron. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it as a child and thinking that the acting was very good at it and thinking it was a very intense thriller, but I have not seen it in a long time because I remember it being kind of powerful and even as a kid being like, ugh. That's the thing. Like, all these movies are not his franchise movies. He goes for dark shit. He does. Even Mm -hmm. if it's a comedy, it's dark. Mm. And I saw all these as a little kid because it's like, oh, look, it's Indiana Jones. Totally. And, oh, that's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Because he kind of goes back to back because then he works with Mike Nichols again and makes a movie called Regarding Henry about a guy who starts to lose his memory and his speech and his mobility, even though he used to be this very... Uh, he got shot, right? Yeah, but it's because of something like a degenerative disease that happens after that that starts to make him lose himself. And Annette Benning is his wife. J.J. Abrams wrote it oh, shit. when he was in his 20s, and that was the big jump up for J.J. Abrams was he... No, he did the music for Night Beast. That's what got him going. <laughs> How's the theme song that go again, Mike? Night beast, <laughs> this is the night beast. I got a laser gun. Don't shoot it in my hand. See, JJ Abrams' best work is behind him. <laughs> um, so, what's your guys' favorite scene regarding Henry? I haven't seen it. Oh, I love the scene where his kid cries in the hospital. Oh, that's the best. It's so good. Uh, when everyone's crying all the goddamn time in that movie, and it's just oof. I'm a very. This came out in '93, right? '91. '91. Okay. I definitely saw this when I was 10. I really liked it. I think I just liked it because I like Harrison Ford. True. But even mm-hmm. as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is so... Why are you watching? It's heavy. It's it- heavy. 10-year-olds watching regarding Henry and then looking at their parents and going, uh, don't do this. Maybe his two heaviest movies back-to-back. And he's great in them. He's really great in them. But they are bummers. I'm not going to... Yeah. <laughs> they do not end mega happy. There's not a mega happy ending in either one of them. But in 1992... Spoiler. He decides to make a movie that is not 
Well, I guess in, to some Republicans, they find it very heavy, but I don't know if the rest of us do. It is the 1992 movie where he takes on another franchise. Oh, you're talking about those JR movies? J- those JR oh, yeah. movies? He becomes so Jack, CIA analyst Jack Ryan. I'm going to teach you a lesson, Soviet Union. He is in a movie called Patriot Games. You like this? And he's out for revenge or something. Sean Bean is there. Also, Ann Archer. Thora Birch, Samuel Jackson, and James Earl Jones, Richard Harris. Man, I do remember liking the shit out of Patriot Games when I was a kid. I thought it was super fun. It's weird that it's, you know, tail end Cold War. The first on-screen Jack Ryan is Alec Baldwin. Skinny Alec Baldwin. Skin- oh, yeah. <laughs> it has, you have to say that so it makes sense to people. <laughs> also, it's the first time he would work with a guy named Philip Noyce. Noyce. Also a good friend of his, uh, who we've talked about a couple of times. He made movies like The Bone Collector, a movie called Sliver, which we've referenced on oh this. My, he oh, my. He made fuck. Sliver? Yeah, Philip Noyce, man. He made The Hitchhiker, Dead Calm, which we talked about. Like, Philip Noyce has made some good movies. He, He's also made some dumb movies. He, he made also, Sliver, and he also made Patriot pa- Games and, and Clear, Clear Presence. Holy shit. Yes. Philip Noyce mm-hmm. is still running around making movies. He is still a director. And also is apparently close friends with Harrison Ford. So him and the buff and noise are just hanging out. <laughs> just chilling, just yep. giving each other earrings. Yep. <laughs> and he takes on the mini franchise of him and his two Jack Ryan movies, Clear and Present Danger or Patriot Games. I love Clear and Present Danger. Yeah. I watch it like every three years. Oh. And uh, it just gets worse and worse. And I like it more and more. <laughs> And you got Willem Dafoe oh, yeah. going to fucking Bogota. And you got that one dude from Training Day. Like, this movie has everybody. You got James Earl Jones. And he's like, remember when I was that voice? And he's like, what? And then, <laughs> like, this movie is so stupid, though. There's a scene, the climax for Harrison Ford's character is printing something out while someone's deleting files on a network. It's literally him trying to get a piece of paper printed out before someone, that's the climate. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it prints out in time. Yeah. And then he, Harrison Ford rips the paper out of the printer and walks up to the guy and goes, you're going to jail. And he's just like, you're a boy scout. And he goes, for life. And then the guy grabs the paper and puts it in his mouth and eats it. And he yeah. goes, oh no. And then, and then the Harrison man. Ford just shoots him. And he's right like, in the stomach? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also sort of like weird peacetime America, 90s, golden age. It's like the action movies they had were just manufacturing enemies <laughs> who weren't real. <laughs> just nonsense. I think this came out right after, what's his name? The most famous drug dealer of all time. Pablo Escobar. It was right after he got killed. Yeah, that sounds and right. And then the main character to this is that one guy from Get Shorty whose nephew is Yayo. He plays a Pablo Escobar type. And I guarantee they did not make that until after he died. Yes. And also, that was the bad guys back then in the early 90s was yeah. the drug dealers. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to get them. No one in America likes the drugs. Nobody. It's not the whole reason they exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's in an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which we mentioned. I'm sure that was contractually obligated yep. for one He's episode. He's in an episode? He's in one episode. What? He's listed as Indiana Jones 50. It's very possible they show like a clip of the old movies. And he's text- yeah. He's like, I get a check for it's that. It's the episode where he sees his own future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an outtake of him yelling at a fucking PA. <laughs> and they just leave it in. They just use it as for the show, which is him. I said the big bong. To his credit, he <laughs> was a carpenter and is apparently unusually nice to extras and set people and only yells at like directors and fellow co-stars. But... In 1995, he's Linus Larrabee in the remake of Sabrina. Oh, yeah. That was a big hit. It was kind of a big hit. It's a Sidney Pollock movie. Yes, it is. I have Uh, bought this movie for my mother on VHS and DVD. By the time the Blu-ray came out, she's like, I don't want to watch that ever again. Dude, lots of people, man. Quitter. I watched it one time. Yeah, to her face. Julia Orman, Greg Kinnear, Tony Soprano's mom. Lots of people, man. In 1993, though, there's a movie we have to reference. It is one of the great Chicago films of all time. A favorite here at the Blockbuster Film School. It is the Andrew Davis classic, The Fugitive. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) It was the one-armed man. It was OJ. That's who murdered my wife. Just takes on The Fugitive, gentlemen. It's a great movie. <laughs> Robert Kimball, great. He's got a good Richard Kimball. That, that guy, too. Both yeah. The brothers. I love the brothers yeah. in the movie. Dr. Robert Kimball. They're both Kimble. running. They both, yeah. You know. Oh, man. I'm still waiting for the Tarantino <laughs> sequel where it's like two of them doing stuff. The Fugitive is one of the top five Chicago movies of all time. It's one of the best great. action movies of all time. I agree. Timely Jones and Harrison Ford are electric. True. Timely Jones won an Oscar. For it. Yeah. Afterwards, apparently, he walked up to, I don't know, anyway. Um, cut that out. <laughs> he walked but, up to Harrison um, Ford and was like, look what I got. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the big actor now? He walked up to him and goes, straight edge, and just walked away. <laughs> no, The Fugitive is just short of a masterpiece. I agree with you. The scene where he jumps out into the waterfall is, mm-hmm. as you've mentioned it many times. I don't care. Is super iconic. It was referenced in everything that came out for a little while in the early mid-90s because it was so iconic. Leslie Nielsen did that in two of his movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Milhouse. I was, I was like, is there a scary movie? No, it was the Naked Spy Gun Spy Hard stuff. and oh. another one. You used that joke twice. In The Simpsons where Milhouse jumps. Because... <laughs> <laughs> And I think, actually, Tommy Lee Jones was the guest voice who was chasing Milhouse. Baby Julianne Moore is in that. Joe Pantaleone. Yeah, if you haven't seen The Fugitive, you need to. It's a true classic. And another one where Harrison Ford is just knocking him out of the park. He starts the 90s basically with Last Crusade, has some really amazing acting stuff, but then also has his Jack Ryan movies, has The Fugitive. (laughs) He does a bunch of, like... Like the '90s are known for their wild action movies, mm-hmm. and like, but he does the Hollywood versions of the, like the proper Hollywood versions of them, which are still buck wild. I mean, they're no like virtuosity, right? right? But like, he but, would do that later. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, absolutely. real fast, real fast. Listen to our Denzel Washington episode. Yes, for virtuosity. Oh, virtuosity. We so talk about virtuosity <laughs> longer than we should. No, I'm sure it's the right amount. Okay. <laughs> After that, in 1997, he has a pretty good year. He makes two movies, The Devil's Own with Brad Pitt, which I always kind of liked. It had a weird bit of beef on the set, I guess, but ended up being kind of a fun noir that I always thought was an interesting movie. 
also Palooka again. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and he also made a movie that we watched recently, a movie called Air Force One. Get off my plane. <laughs> Why are they Russian? <laughs> directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who directed like Das Boot and The NeverEnding Story and all kinds of stuff. Wolfgang Peterson, one of the great underrated directors of all time. Wait, NeverEnding Story and Das Boot are the same director? Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's, yeah, okay. I know, wild, right? Wow. <laughs> and right. Yeah, Air Force One. And Air Force yeah. One, yeah, sorry, that should be a part of that trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm going to watch that every year, those, those three movies. In order? Yeah. On Christmas. Yes, Gary Oldman doing yeah. his best Ivan Kornishunov. Uh, you are lazy American pig dog, yes? You do this to your own people? <laughs> I do this to you? I can't do Russian, but like, <laughs> it's fucking it's so stupid. <laughs> and it never ends. It ends like eight times. Oh, yeah. Like, they kill Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Then they got to kill three more people. Then they got to kill the traitor. Then the engines go out. Then they have to get a parachute. Then there's flying dogs. Plus a woman's the president. We got to deal with this now. Vice president. (laughs) No, but she's the president while he's. Oh, yeah, exactly. She's got to run the the show. Glenn Close is the president. Turns out the guy from goddamn Quantum Leap is a misogynistic piece of shit. Dean Stockton. And I'm glad he's a ghost. He's always a traitor. Like in Dune. Yeah. Yeah, no, Dean Stockton is in it. Not Googie. But I mean, here's. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Oh, Gushy. It's Gushy's the other guy. William H. Macy's in it. As we said, Glenn Close and Gary Oldman, both of which have Oscars. Yep. (laughs) Not Harrison Ford, though. Not the star of the movie. But it is a fun movie. I will admit, it is very fun to watch. It is pretty stupid because at any moment... Mm-hmm. Secret Soviet Union Russian factions could come back at any time and attack us. Pretty sure they're out of money. They don't, they're just not doing that. They never even try to explain why his one Secret Service dude sells him out. Right. A line he has right before he dies is The last guy trusted me. I betrayed him. I betrayed you, and you trusted me. And the next guy's going to trust me too. And then Harrison Ford goes, Get off of my plane. He doesn't. <laughs> but then he throws him into a jet engine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's how I hope I go. <laughs> I Thrown hope, into an engine I, by the president. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, specifically a president. Well, an actor playing a president. <laughs> Mike, I've never meant something I said more in my life. I hope I am there when it happens. <laughs> Unfortunately, for a few years, though, that would be the last real highlight. There's some bumps in the road for Harrison Ford after that. He is in a failed Ivan Reitman movie called Six Days, Seven Nights with Oof. him and Anne Oh, Anne yeah, on the island. Yes, in which a vacation goes wrong for two white people. He's in a movie called Random Hearts, where he yep. plays a character called Dutch Vanderdenbroek. That's not real. <laughs> it's definitely real. There's a bit of a bounce back. Another one of his, surprisingly, one of his big financial hits, a guy that Nick is torn on. Actually, I think one of the lesser, but in my opinion, one of the secretly good Zemeckis movies, it is the 2000 What Lies Beneath. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on What Lies Beneath? Saw it in the theater. Yeah, me too. It's good. There's a bathtub scene. Uh-huh. Right? Also, I remember I the right is, movie? Yeah, you're just describing the movie now. Yeah. yeah, I'm just making I'm just trying to remember what it was. I remember seeing it in the theater being excited about it, but I don't know why. So the movie goes, Ghost. Your wife. Your wife. Oh, dude, which also that joke that they have in the first scary movie where... Oh, it, and he pushes it's, in, and it's, it's Keenan Ivory. Keenan Ivory lands his face. 
I think she's on to us too. Your wife. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. It's honestly the only movie that he ever made, I think, where he is the true bad guy. He yeah, is, that's right. He's a villain in it. He, he, is the, he murdered his wife, yeah. and he's going to murder the other one for looking into it. He is a dangerous character. That always kind of jumped out to me, though, when I saw it in the theater, because that's such a good... I like that with Zemeckis doing it. He's like, who's the guy that is always the good guy, is never the bad guy? That'll be a little bit of a twist. And even when I saw it in the theater, to me, that was the bigger twist. Like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford's the bad guy. That's solid. When is Tom Hanks going to do that? Oh, I know. When are we going to get an evil Hanks? There's a little bit in Cloud Atlas where yeah. he plays some bad guys. That's a weird Also, a yeah. fortune teller told me he's going to murder Reed Wilson. <laughs> oh, just in reality? Yeah. So he's going to be a... We're going to find out America's uh, we dad all is actually know a he's bad gonna guy. Yeah. He's going to murder Chet Blaze or whatever, his son, who <laughs> is the... <laughs> dumbass son. <laughs> it's a mercy kill, though, with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colin's like, thanks, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> Everyone wanted it. <laughs> Let's never speak of it again. I actually do kind of like What Lies Beneath, and yeah. it was a surprise monster hit. It was $16 million to make, and it made $175 million in 2000, which, you know, just another one of those, just Harrison Ford rocking it out. 2002, a movie that Nick referenced, K-19, The Widowmaker, mm-hmm. where, where he plays Captain Alexei Vostruktikov. Are you super Russian? I remember being very excited about that movie, <laughs> but I never saw it. I, okay. I think it came off of like, I really loved, as a kid, I loved Hunt for Red October. Mm. And I just was like, oh, another sub movie. All right. And then like, I never saw it. It's probably fine. I didn't. I've seen it a couple times. I actually think it's a pretty good movie. Okay, I know it's, well. sound, it's a little take. Catherine Bigelow directed it. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I saw a cool interview with Harrison Ford where they asked him about it and he had nothing but nice things to say about it as a movie. And then at the end he goes, and I'm pretty sure Catherine is the only director I've ever worked with. Who's a woman. That's pretty messed up, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, that's uh good on you, Harrison Ford. Yeah. The, and also she's amazing. I love her movies. It mm-hmm. is a little weird him being the Russian character, but she's such a good director. There's some dope ass action sequences in it. It's worth a watch. However, the 2003 movie after that is not worth a watch. Uh-oh. It is a movie called Hollywood Homicide, mm-hmm. in which notoriously he and co-star uh, terrible actor Josh Hartnett did not get along, possibly because Josh Hartnett is not good at acting. And also the director is a guy named Ron Shelton. You know his name, goddamn. Who directed White Men Can't Jump. And Tink Cup. And Tink Cup. <gasps> and they apparently were not cool with each other. No. They did not get along. He, obviously, Ron Shelton will never have his own episode. So it's a mm. weird trajectory of his career where sports movie, sports movie, sports mm. movie. He also made Bull Durham. Yeah. Like he made some really good, good sports movies. Yeah. And then he decided at one point, I want to make a movie where Kurt Russell, America's sweetheart, plays Mark Furman. Yes. Yes. And then just started making all these weird cop movies. Ugh. And they just progressively get worse. And they're trying to solve the Black Dahlia murders or oh, some man. nonsense. The Black Dahlia murder is back. Oh, oh you know. Wait, that band broke up? <laughs> <laughs> God, that was a fucking band. Also, a little fun fact. If you go to the house where the Black Dahlia body was found in L.A., the guy who has it, like, has a gun and will come out and literally, like, aim it at you. <laughs> so just if you're going on a true crime thing, don't go to that guy's house. Like in a fun way? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, he's notorious. 
It did not happen to me, but I literally said to my buddy when we went to go to OJ's house, I was like, should we go to the Black Dahlia house? He's like, we can't go to the Black Dahlia house. Everyone in LA knows that the guy who owns that house is a complete lunatic. God. Yeah. Hollywood Homicide. It gets a little rough. 2006, there's a movie called Firewall. Anybody ever see that? It's a real thing? No. Yes. <laughs> Brian Tepp's giving me the thumbs up. Is that, is that like thumbs up. The, the fish movie too? That sounds like, is it like a hacking movie? It's about hacking. Right? Oh God. In t- the mid-2000s. Virginia Madsen's in it. Black Hat? I've never seen it. Paul Bettany's in it though. He's in his mid-60s at this point. Mm-hmm. He is going into full, older, sandy-haired Harrison Ford, but... 2008, he makes a movie called Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where he works with Steven Spielberg, everyone's favorite Shia LaBeouf movie. That's so gonna be excited my, about it. Even though I haven't seen it, that's going to be the number one on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I am with Mike, though. I was like, Aliens, he's back. Maybe this will be good. Spielberg's directing it. It's not mm-hmm. George Lucas directing it. Maybe this will be good. I was, everyone was mad about the Aliens. Like, I don't get it. Like, I'm like, yeah, but it's not everyone's biblical. And I was the guy who's explaining that to my friends. I'm like, no man, it's going to be so fucking cool. Aliens is basically religion anyway. Come on, man. And then, you know, yeah, I agree with you though, of like Indiana Jones and aliens and weird old technology that he finds in temples or something. It seems right. It It seems like it it could work. It's fine. Thematically, (sighs) it's fine. It did not work. The execution (laughs) was less than fine. I'm going to list off two movies here for you. Both in 2010, a movie called extraordinary measures with him and Brendan Fraser and a movie called oh. Morning Glory with him and Rachel McAdams. Anybody? No, I remember a billboard for the yeah. first one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, they're together, huh? I saw okay. the trailer for that. I was like, that's a good get for fucking Brendan Fraser. I feel <laughs> I feel real bad for Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. 2011, he is in a movie called Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, yeah. In which cowboys, guess what? Fight aliens. Whoa. This that, is- the production of that film is fascinating. <laughs> Like it originally was written by some guy named Steve Odekirk and it changed so much. He, they made him change the script so fucking much. It was supposed to be like about racism and tribal stuff, like all this kind of thing. And then they fucking just really yeah. flipped the shit out of it. And he, that writer just got the fuck out of there. I believe that. Um, I fully believe that. Cause then they brought in Lindelof yeah. and John Favreau to direct it. Lindelof. Yes. Yeah. They, they brought in the big guns for that movie. Cause this is the first time that I'm seeing where Harrison Ford is not the top bill. Daniel Craig was the top oh, yeah. bill. Harrison Ford was the co-star. Olivia Wilde, Abigail Spencer, Clancy Brown, Paul Dano, Sam Rockwell. I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie. It just... uh, Clancy Brown, come on the show. Yeah, I would love for Clancy Brown. I love, man, Highlander is one of my favorite movies. Cowboys and Aliens is pretty stupid. It's pretty stupid. But John Favreau is a very good director, and it's better than it has any right to be. I would say that. I watched it, and when it was over, I said to myself, huh, (laughs) that was a movie. All right. Yeah, that was my... T- huh. Okay. Yeah. In 2013, he plays Branch Rickey in 42, the movie about Jackie Robinson. That was a good movie. It was mm-hmm. a really good movie. And also, Branch Rickey is weirdly a very, very important person in American culture. He was the owner of the Dodgers, and he basically went against Major League Baseball and decided to break the color barrier and change American culture forever and did it for the right reasons, did it because he truly thought it was messed up, thought it was messed up that a guy because of how much melanin in his skin couldn't play in major league baseball because of a bunch of other racist owners. And he decided to be like, well, 
I have the most popular, the most beloved baseball franchise. And what are you going to get rid of me? And I like the way Harrison Ford did it. I really liked his performance of Branch Rickey. And I think 42 is one of those movies that's a little underrated. It is. Hmm? I'm literally going to say Wakanda. <laughs> What's his fucking name? Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, you're right. It is. It does have Black Panther. in it. Yeah. Black Panther is uh, Chadwick Boseman. R. Chadwick Boseman yeah, is R. really yeah. fucking good in that movie. Yeah, agreed. Christopher Maloney also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I always loved. Even if you don't like baseball, it's an interesting movie about just American history. And I like that they didn't pull any punches that people were racist as fuck back in the day oh, and yeah. were real scumbags about it. People and, are still scumbags about it now. Sure. But I mean, how open it was. They're literally like, black guys aren't allowed in the baseball teams. And there were teams that were like proud of that. Mm-hmm. The Boston Red Sox did not have a black player until like 1978. Just register that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, that, that, that's, that's in the height of like the busing situation. Yeah, in Boston, just, too, right? Like, it's fucking like, segregated schools had been uh, federally mandated <laughs> or not, not, not federally segregated, but like unsegregated schools yes, have been yes. federally mandated. And they're like, well, we got a loophole we're going to keep doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, it's Boston. Yeah. And uh, we're all degenerates. Also, a quick shout out to the owner of the Reds. Oh, also, Mark Shot. Yeah, she was a piece of shit. She was a huge piece of shit. Yeah, Mark Shot was a real piece of shit. <laughs> I was only going to give her credit that she just did it in public, you know, that she just was like open about it as opposed to being like a secret racist. Like, mm, yeah, that's al- how, but that's how you get elected president. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what we no, do. We, got, we lose followers because of that shit on our podcast. Oh, it's tough. That's fine. The people who are mega allegiant to Trump to the point where they won't listen to the podcast because we made yeah. fun of him. Sorry, guys. You we guys got some great Apple iTunes reviews. That are <laughs> you guys need to rub cocoa butter on yourself. Shit about Trump. Anyway, uh, in the 2010s <laughs> after that, though, it gets a little crazy. He's in Ender's Game, written by famous Scientologist Orson Scott Card. Mm hmm. He has a little appearance in Anchorman 2. The legend continues. I saw that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the best part of that movie is the fight scene because that movie mm-hmm. is garbage. There is yeah. one other scene, though, with Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig where they're both like, you know. Weird. They're both fucked up. So <laughs> yeah. she goes, what's your favorite time of day? He goes, right now, you? And she goes, three seconds ago. I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> that is... I know I bring it up on here, too. Also, there's a scene in that movie where Will Ferrell is leaving his family and his son is like a toddler. And at which point he explains to this toddler, he's like, I'm leaving because you're a disgrace. Look at you. You can't even dress yourself. You're an idiot. Like, And it's just a, like a baby looking at him. He's like, you're pathetic. I don't, know, I, I don't know why I like this. Just a baby just looking at him like. But Anchorman 2 is pretty stupid. He's in Expendables 3 as drummer. Is that a main character in that movie? I haven't seen 3. No. <laughs> okay, he just shows up. Everyone I'm is assuming. It. Yes. Oh, has anyone seen it? Yeah, I saw some of it. Yeah, okay. They're all nonsense. That's the PG-13 one. The That's other? where they get rid of the digital blood. I guarantee he got oh. a call that was something along the lines of like, Hey, Harrison, how's it going? Come on, it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. What's wrong with you? Like... And he's like, "All right, I'll I'll show up for one day." Oh, you, ah, this is fabulous! Like this is this that's lyric. a great Chuck Norris. Yeah, <laughs> this is Jet Li. Um, <laughs> no, Bruce Willis was in the first two. To be in the next one, he demanded a million dollars a day. Whoa, a day? He, a million dollars a day. 
And uh, Sylvester Stallone's like, no way. So they call up Harrison Ford. And they're like, we'll give you half a million dollars and some hash. And he goes, well, you're overpaying. Yeah, all right. We're nearing the end of his filmography, but there are a couple of big boost-up movies towards current, coming to Does current. He? Uh, well, in 2015, he's in a movie called Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, in which he finally gets his wish, which he said to George Lucas over and over again. He's like, I'm the one character you can kill. I'm the one character that it would emotionally affect the audience the most if you kill but it wouldn't mess with the story. I should die at the end of Return of the Jedi. And George Lucas toyed with it for a long time, decided not to go with that, decided to not end on the mega bummer. But in order for him to come back for episode seven, he had to get Abrams. Interesting that Abrams now, after regarding Henley, Mm, that came and then directed episode seven, got Abrams to be like, the only way I'm in it is if Han Solo dies. And spoiler alert, Han Solo is murdered by his son in front of his best friend and lover, Chewbacca. Mm. <laughs> who doesn't know this, <laughs> Who then, in a really weird way, goes back to his own planet and kills his kid. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, in the subtitles, he's like, I lost everything. And just, <laughs> yeah, in the subtitles are, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you, you disrespect me. You just me. Uh, any thoughts on Star Wars Episode Seven? You guys like it? You don't like it? What do you think? It's fun. Whatever. It's the uh, least terrible of the new Star Wars movies <laughs> that have come out. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. It at least had a plot. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was it's the plot of A New Hope. Right. Also, it's got Han Solo. Like- yeah, he's good. The characters are charismatic. The robots, uh, I'm sure, made a lot of money. Yeah, as a toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least. Abrams can make a Hollywood movie. Yeah. You know, he can make one. I do genuinely love the reveal when somebody gets the Millennium Falcon in a tractor beam and they think it's the bad guys and it's fucking Han Solo and Chewbacca who've been waiting for that beacon to come back and they immediately steal the Millennium Falcon back. I thought that was cool. 2017, maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. Whoa. He reprises his role as Rick Deckard in the Vinny, the Vinny, <laughs> the Denny Villanova. Hey, I'm Vinny Delano. Hey, I'm Vinny Delano. Hey, Baba Booey. <laughs> um, directed Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> the Denny Villanova classic, Blade Runner 2049. I love Blade Runner 2049. Listen to our Vinny Delanova Vinny episode. Vinny Delanova episode. <laughs> hey, up your nose with a rubber hose. Oh. Pasta Fazul. <laughs> Well, if we're talking Welcome Back, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he's just like Queens guy now. Yeah. He's just, hey. I said chopped cheese, not bullshit on a bun. <laughs> you call this Gabagool? All right. What do you guys think about Blade Runner 2049? I haven't seen it. Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. Jesus I Christ. I, 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 Here, I'll tell you what. Watch Working Girl first. Okay. Yeah. How about also, regarding Henry? Oh, no. is that still on your list? Here's the thing. I did my little, little bit of research for all this, and I realized, I don't know how much Harrison Ford movies I've actually seen. Because, <laughs> which is wild, because I feel like I'm I'm close it's, to him. I know Harrison re- Ford. It's really but, funny you call that research. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> well, I, I did my own research. Okay. You're very emotionally close And I got him. into, yeah, well, you think it, because he's part of the American zeitgeist. He's, yes. Uh, you know, he's Indiana Jones. He's Han Solo. And I've seen other things, too. I mean, I've seen the first Blade Runner. I've yeah. Seen right. Multiple times. That was a fucking film 
nerd in college. Same. Watched all the different cuts. But I, like, I own several. <laughs> but then I realized, I, I was watching this, I'm like, I haven't seen Regarding Henry. I haven't seen The Witness. I haven't seen, there's a handful of them that I was like, these are prestige movies that people love and they're critically acclaimed. They are a, a hole in my heart. Hey. And I'm sorry. Well, this, this is, is one of them. This is an intervention. Oh, uh, wait, this is what the whole thing's about? This is about you so, watching Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Right. You've disappointed us for long enough now. Right. We're well, your friends. And I want to say the time that I watched Blade Runner 2049, you weren't there. Mm-hmm. And that I, made me sad yeah. because yeah. of... <laughs> So the next three hours of this podcast is going to be us watching reacting Blade to me watching it. Yes. All right. Yes. Perfect. And in that and like classic- any other uh, intervention, we're going to give you mushrooms. <laughs> oh, perfect. And whenever anyone watches a movie with someone who loves another movie, I'm just going to keep looking over at you. Oh, yeah. Stop. Are you enjoying please, it? Please don't break we, eye contact. Are you call, enjoying it? We call that the Steven. <laughs> are you liking this? This is the part where I laugh. Did you laugh this time? <laughs> I loved Blade Runner 2049. Same. I camped out to see the early Thursday show, not even the midnight one. Mm. There was an IMAX at like 10.30, and I was meeting somebody, and I was outside of the the Regal Western over here, smoking one-hitters, leaning against the glass, and I'm smoking a cigarette, and I'm doing that thing where I'm acting like I'm talking to someone on my phone. Like, it looks like I'm texting. I'm just going through and looking around and seeing how everybody outside waiting to go into Blade Runner looked exactly like me. (laughs) And I almost didn't go. The movie's perfect. It's pretty goddamn good. I was doing a little research on it, and Denny Villeneuve met with Harrison Ford, because Harrison Ford was kind of reticent about doing it. And he showed him the script, and Ford really liked the script, and then they met, and Ford just said, I do the stunts on that last scene where the boat is sinking. And there's a boat in this movie, kind of. Uh, I like say a boat. cyber boat, right? There's yeah, and Villanova is like, if you think you can do it, then let's do it. And so Harrison Ford did all the stunts in that, where he's going underwater. You can tell though, yeah, it's him. It's really yeah. him. And uh, I love that he's such a weird adrenaline junkie that that was his caveat. Like, I'll do it as long as you don't take away my crazy person right to at seventy three years old too. My own the, stunts. The consensus I've heard about twenty forty nine is. It's a pretty movie. Roger Deakins finally won the Oscar for yeah. cinematography with this. And the he was Susan fine. Lucci. No. The, the story's story, what? Fine. I think the story might be a little heady for some people. I think that's the main issue is that if you're not kind of nerding out onto Blade Runner a little mm-hmm. bit, then the story might be a little like, wait, what? Like you need to go because Blade Runner. You kind of have to be a little bit of a sci-fi nerd a little bit. Right. Or just yeah. a nerd in general where you're like, there's replicants. There's different yeah, eras yeah, of replicants. Yeah. There's different, you know, it's like, I understand that maybe if you just watched it cold, like you'd never seen mm-hmm. the original and you don't really, it might become confusing, but. Or like your weird boyfriend drug you to the yes, movie. Yes, yeah, But okay. I think it's amazing. I think it truly, I love Denny Villeneuve. I love his movies. They're so good. I put him with PT as like the best one running around right now. I think I even lean his way a little bit just because I love how big and epic they are and. I love the shit out of PT, but man, 2049, the fact that somebody did a sequel of a beloved property of mm-hmm. mine and it didn't suck and was awesome and even was maybe on par, if not certain edges of better mind boggling. I so, don't think anyone's ever pulled that off. So you're saying it's like an Evan Almighty like <laughs> level of. All right. So, don't. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's okay. just like Evan Almighty. Yeah. I saw that on a date. Evan Almighty? She paid for it. After it was over, I was like, you should have let me buy that. That was terrible. <laughs> I'm never going to see you again. 
this doesn't get to sell us, but Steve Odekirk, the guy I brought up who, who mm. originally wrote the script and it came with the concept of Cowboys versus Aliens, who had a real, really good sounding script. Uh, it seemed the, cool. Tom Wilson interviews him as something yeah. because they're buddies. But like he wrote Evan all <laughs> Wow. He also, but he was like the big Hollywood punch up guy for a while. He wrote Patch Adams. He wrote all that mm. fucking like sentimental shit. But he also was a writer on the one white writer on The Living Color. He's got good. So he did Kung Pao under the fist if you ever saw that thing. Yeah, no, I saw that. That's that guy. That's Steve Odekirk. Interesting. Yeah. So, so he has an interesting thing. But he also does big Hollywood write-ups, at least for a while. And then Cowboys and Aliens, they fucked him over <laughs> with like probably a genuine, seemingly like a script he's had for years and years and years and years and really like loved it. And then, you know. Also, I will say about Cowboys and Aliens, it felt like there was a movie in there, but it felt like the studio just got a hold of it and tried to stu- studio it yeah, into. Seemingly. You know, because there was also this moment in the 2000 teens where there was zombies versus Abraham Lincoln mm. and these comic book cult hits of these weird mashup genres were starting to really come together. And this was the one time that a big studio really tried to do it with big money. And I don't think they understood that, like, it, you should just keep this kind of culty and weird and trying to make something to see Bone Tomahawk. It's a better version of a mashup with cowboys if you want to see a crazy mashup 2000 teens movie, see bone Tomahawk where there's like zombies and monsters and cowboys. It's way more violent. Kurt Russell's awesome. It like there's zombies in that movie. Dude, it's nuts. Bone Tomahawk is crazy. Okay. Well, cause also super producer Brian Tepps is bringing up that Harrison Ford has always talked about in interviews, how much he liked the character of Rick Deckard, how much he put into that initial character and that him and Ridley Scott were such nerds, of building a character and building characters. And it was very interesting that the first kind of director he worked with after George Lucas and Spielberg was Ridley Scott. And that Ridley Scott had this very different approach where he was very precise with how like line delivery and how your face moves and conveying very specific emotions, not to bash on Spielberg uh, or anything, but Spielberg has a little more of like a, okay, now try something like this and, and trying to get something, you know, kind of bombastic and electric. Uh, whereas almost down to like the most bingo decibel level, Ridley Scott is one of these guys who's like, no, I have a very specific idea of what I want to convey in this scene. And it's very interesting that he wanted to come back and wanted to make Blade Runner 2049 and that Villeneuve, I feel like, is also sort of one of these guys like that. Anyway, but that's kind of the end of uh, he also made The Call of the Wild, which I have not seen. Have you guys seen Call of the Wild? I haven't seen it. It's going to be on my uh, dumpster pile, though. <laughs> I read that <laughs> I read that book like three times when I was a kid. I really liked that book. I like Jack London a lot, especially when I was a kid. I have not seen it. I don't want to see a CGI version of The Call of the Wilds. Me. Yeah, I, I saw some clips of that. The dog's making emotional faces. Every animal is CGI. I'm very confused. No animals are real. They're all CGI. It's basically just... Do you mean in reality? Well, the, the birds aren't real. <laughs> no, in The Call of the Wild, it's basically just Harrison Ford on a blue screen. Yeah. Yelling at like a fake wolf. <laughs> Get out of here! They, they, like, threw a, they threw a, a co-star in there. They're like, <laughs> they let him be like, you yell at Danny DeVito. He's never been in a movie with Danny they DeVito. Had a, they, had a, they had a PA dressed up like yeah. a dog. Yeah. Now pet him. They had a PA dressed up like Danny DeVito. Pet yeah. him harder. And they're like, imagine you're in a movie with Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh, I'm acting. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Danny. You're a real piece of shit bitch. <laughs> the only movie on his current acting list 
It is being filmed. It is slated for release in 2022. It is just currently called Indiana Jones 5. So, are you excited for that one? I, <laughs> I kind of stop excitement. Uh, yeah, I kind of directed am. by James Mangold, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, yeah. he's good. I'll watch it. It's I mean, fun. it's a it's going to be a past the torch, right? Like, probably they wanted Crystal Skull to be past the torch, which I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, I read part of the script. So Adam Driver shows up and mm-hmm. stabs him in the stomach at the Grand Canyon, <laughs> and then he falls and into then it. Chewbacca shoots him with a crossbow yeah. in the oh, stomach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. you killed my boyfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we should point out how cool Harrison Ford is just in real life, that he is a little bit of an Indiana Jones himself. He built his own house. He mm-hmm. flies experimental planes. And crashes them. Occasionally. Wait, cra- are they experimental? Well, that's his whole thing. He became such that's an That's aw- his whole thing, is well, that? It's so, let's put it this way. There, I mean, there are just genuinely two kinds of pilots. There really are. There's pilots who are, if we're going off of the Hollywood sense, there's the John Travoltas who just want to fly their big Boeing plane. Excuse me? I know. Okay. John Travolta has a commercial yeah. fucking yes. license? Yes. He uh, was on Cribs and literally- Showed his giant plane. Has MTV an air- Cribs. He yes. has an, yes, he has an airport in his house, Shet. basically. Shut the fuck yeah. up. Yes. He what? flies. His son's name was Jet. Yeah. Should have been Buyer's Remorse. <laughs> <laughs> it was Elrond. The point I was making was that, ostensibly like anything else, there's people who want to just have a really cool car and drive it low key and not mess with it. And then there are people who want to have an experimental race car and drive it as fast mm. as they fucking can. So, so you're saying there's people who want experimental race cars and like experimental planes uh-huh. and maybe like doubles or I mean, triples would be best. Right. Uh, of triples like a would plane. Be best. Yes. Triples would be best. Triples, triples would be best. Yeah. And I don't live in a hotel. <laughs> and my wife was, my wife was on posters. Yes. I didn't even want to marry her. Yeah. <laughs> She, she asked me. She asked me. She wanted to be nice. But like, for instance, when he crashes one of his planes, there are these very weird little super fast experimental planes, and he's the only one in them. Yeah, you know what okay. I'm saying? They are these very small, huh. very high speed hot rod planes. And so when he crashes them and survives, these planes crash a lot because they are strange little weird things that are ostensibly experimental race cars of planes. Do you think he got those like plane wings that went on a car from the eighties or seventies, whatever that fucking, that thing happened. <laughs> Did you guys know about that fucking yes, thing? I know what you're talking. He probably had one of those, man. He's I, like, I got a kit to turn my Datsun into a fucking The one thing. that he crashed in a park in Los Angeles was supposedly on loan to him from the U S government. Okay. So oh. think about this. Is like, this like a Tom Clancy connection? It really, I, I, he is such a huge movie star. Truly, he is a, Jack Ryan. Dude, think about it like this: If Harrison Ford walks into a place and asks for something, he is that big a movie star where probably people are like, "Yeah, yes, yeah, so you, yeah, you can yeah. have that." There's certain movie stars where I don't think that would. If Bruce Willis was like, "Give me this plane," they'd be like, "You're an idiot. We have no idea what you're talking about." Bruce like, Willis got kicked out of a CVS six months ago for not wearing a mask. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Harrison Ford. People would be like, would give up their masks like yes. a fucking 
toxic poison situation. <laughs> also, Super Producer Brian Tepps brought up, he built his own house in Jackson Hole, like that is apparently this awesome house. And I've seen pictures of it. It really is wild. I understand why Coppola wanted him to build the doorway to his office. Mm-hmm. He's not very just talented. A, he's not just a carpenter. His stuff is awesome. He makes cool stuff. He's a very talented artist. He's just a very insanely talented artist. He runs lots of cool charities. He is kind of, in my mind, after DiCaprio, the big climate change dude who actually puts money in, actually tries to do stuff. So I like Harrison Ford. You don't think Ed Begley Jr. is above that? (laughs) He's there, but Ed Begley Jr. is not Harrison Ford. DiCaprio is there, I suppose. If DiCaprio came in and demanded something of me, I would probably give it to him. But You realize that because you brought up Ed Begley Jr., and in the environment, he instantly heard that wherever he is <laughs> Good. and now knows where you live. Come cuddle me. I'm the little spoon. <laughs> Someone has Hell called yeah. my name. Uh, uh, super producer, multi-hyphenate, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Tapps, did also bring up the fact that uh, Harrison Ford very recently, seemingly, had to emergency land into Burbank yes. or the Johnny Airport. Yes. Do you think that's because of snakes? <laughs> It's the only thing he's scared of. He ran, landed in a taxi thing instead right. of the actual runway because he was high off his tits. Yeah, he was high as a kite. This also is remember- why he crashed his plane. Right. He smokes a little joint, gets into a little plane, and the next thing you know, he's in a park. Right. And then Callista's calling him. Are you still alive? <laughs> yeah. And But I still think a snake could have, like, you know. That's true. Also, his son, we should bring up his oldest son, has an awesome restaurant in LA that's called Ford's Filling Station, which I know is like a weird name, but man. Yeah, it is. I ate there, I ate there once. Is it a buffet? It, it's a Michelin star. It's really wow. insane. Like his son is a master chef and his restaurant is one of the big LA things you can go to. Hmm. Does Chet Hanks own part of that? <laughs> he does not. He does not. No, he, I just he, thought I should bring it up. That, oh, you uh, think Colin and this guy hang out? Probably, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think... Uh, Colin's got his own table there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like Chet now. But, like, Colin is like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're 80s, 90s stars, sons. Yes. Harrison Ford is truly one of our great artists that we have in America. And yes, I'm not going to kiss his ass too much. I have no idea. No, he's Jimmy Buffett for that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. It's time. We're going to start with the Blockbuster Film School dumpster. We're going to do a dumpster pick. We're going to do one. For Harrison Ford. Okay, just one. We're going to do one dumpster pick. And then we're going to do three, your top three for the wall. All right. So... For the dumpster picks, uh, we'll start with the headmaster of the Blockbuster Film School. Nicholas Sauter, what is your dumpster pick for Mr. Harrison Ford? <laughs> what lies beneath? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Strong disagree. <laughs> I haven't seen any of his other older, shittier movies after that. Oh, that's fair. I didn't see the one with the dog. I didn't see the one with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, so. Like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do? That's pick Working Girl or Witness? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm, uh, the guy rarely picked bad stuff. Yeah. I mean, he really did. Uh, he's silly movie. He's a villain. I want to see Harrison Ford. Mike Hayes, you are a guest. What is your dumpster pick? I, I think uh, I have what Nick meant to say, which is Anchorman Two, <laughs> because he's technically in it, and that he movie, is. unfortunately, is very bad. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we wanted, we all wanted to be good because Anchorman yeah. is a fucking classic. It is, but. Man, it doesn't deliver. No. And, and now, while Harrison Ford's scene is, yeah, the, the fight scene point. is the scene that matters. 
it still is the. You said to go through 90 minutes of that movie to get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has to berate a child for some reason. <laughs> and while I hate children, I don't want to see that on the screen. Oh, that's no. I know. I don't, anyone whose favorite scene that is is a monster. Is a sociopath. Yeah, that's right. That's um, totally so. Right. That's my vote, Anchorman Two. My dumpster pick. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm throwing it in the goddamn dumpster. Watching him sigh his entire way through Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull oh, is yeah, an no. exercise in pain. Karen Allen still looks good. She's still an awesome actress. I wish she was in more stuff. I even like Shia. I'm even going to say that. And Kate Blanchett is the bad guy in this movie. Oh, yeah. And Spielberg directed it, and it still sucked. It was bizarre, and it sucked. Bizarre that you could even pull off that amount of suck with these people. It was next level in suck. Can we get mega high together and watch Crystal Skull? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. See, but that's the like, only thing. Though. Like, to I, give it like an honest, like when's mm-hmm. the last time you guys watched Crystal Skull? Like I've seen it since in the theater. So I've never the seen the, it. Saw no. it in the theater. So my theory is it still is very bad, mm-hmm. but I wonder if it's fun. If you get rid of like your expectations for an Indiana Jones movie, yeah, South Park made an entire episode oh, about George Lucas and Spielberg raping oh, well, <laughs> like that, Indiana Jones. Yes, but that's like maybe <laughs> maybe that level of badness can be fun. Now, this is my zone. I yes. know you guys talk about prestige, beautiful films, uh, but my zone is... Is the, URB Movie Mania. Yeah, that we, is fair. I, I love a fucking this is bad, but I can have fun with it kind of a movie. I agree. I think so we are... I wonder, but probably not, but I... I I'm appreciate. with you guys, and I'm high as hell. <laughs> I might become my favorite movie. I don't know. I, who knows? Yeah. I also am one of those people. I love Demolition Man and stuff. I mm-hmm. am a it's so bad, it's good, sometimes classics. I agree. I just feel like George Lucas, whenever he got taken over by the Borg or whatever happened, that he just isn't capable of it. He's like, I'm going to suck all the fun out of no, these it, movies. And they're fun suckers. They're, mm-hmm. Episode one is not so bad. It is good. It is just bad. It is just, uh, mm, yeah. are you an angel? It's like, uh, He wasn't uh, taken over the Borg. It was capitalism. <laughs> it was <laughs> Taco Bell collector's cups. You listen to me, you son of a bitch. So... Yes. All right, but it's time for the good side. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. (laughs) Nick, would you like to start again? Would you like to be the... My number three, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, hell yeah. This movie is... Nostrovia. It is magic. I saw it on IMAX and... If the screen would have caught on fire, I would have sat in the theater waiting for somebody to change the reel. Same. It is is incredible. Yeah, same. Mike, what is your number three? All right, so I'm going to preface this real quick with I don't have an order because I'm really scrambling. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah. So, so, so just I'm going to list three, but my current list, my three then is, I'm going to say Blade Runner, number one, mm. the first one. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking great. It's, I, a it's classic. a classic. I love it, and it's good. You so. brought up off mic that... It was the first time that there was a director's cut because Ridley Scott literally couldn't let it go. He literally came back. I I said that, and now I'm wondering, Apocalypse Now might have been. Redux came out after. Did it? Okay, so I I think that, because here's the thing. Coppola's like, oh, you can do that? I'll do that too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Truly, also big on. his entire life. Big on Ridley Scott for not giving up on that movie, for when it became big on VHS and not in the theaters, and Mm -hmm. for him being such a big director to just come back and say, no, I get another cut. 
you guys stole this movie. I'm Ridley Scott and he's Ridley Scott. So they were like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they became. He directed those Leonardo DiCaprio movies nobody watched. <laughs> <laughs> he directed a movie where an Australian man was a Roman guy <laughs> and made a lot of money. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, my number three, I'm going to say Witness. He's awesome in it. He gets nominated for an Academy Award. It's maybe his best acting role. It's such a spooky, weird movie. I remember watching it as a kid and just saying to myself how strange of a cop movie this is. It's about a cult, but it's a cult that everyone thinks is nice. But are they? Spoiler alert, all Christian cults are weird. So, yeah. But I really liked Witness, him as John Book. He's great in it. He's just great in it. Uh, Nick, what's your number two? The Fugitive is outrageous. Fuck. Mm, yeah. Fuck. I was saving it for you. I literally was. And it's the perfect level of outrageous to where they do tropes from other movies. Like he dyes his hair. And that's <laughs> in a bunch of. And you, you watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect movie. It's a perfect movie. It really is. Also, it turns out that his friend is the German doctor. Is the bad guy. Yeah. Goodness. Oh, here's some money on Lower Vaco Drive. <laughs> You're my pal, Dr. John Kimball. I don't know what it is. John Kimball's the guy from Kindergarten Cop. I, <laughs> Richard Kimball. It's not a tumor. We're, so we're saying all. So John Kimball, Robert Kimball, and Richard Kimball are all brothers. And yes. this is a wonderful film. Yeah. Kimball is also a street. It was yeah, also we a very. Live on it. it was also a very powerful family that we literally the got the street named after actually. them when they sold their huge, like, thousand acre farm that was on the border of the city that is the border that's why basically the city of chicago west of kimball is very weird and different is because it was a farm owned by one mega powerful family until like the 19 teens and part of their caveat of selling it to the city of chicago was that that street isn't called humboldt fucking when it gets along the border of our farm so that's why it changes, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Huh. Yes. That's fascinating. Yeah, the Kimball family sold their mega farm to the city of Chicago. Also, Lower Wacker Drive is called Lower Wacker Drive because there is an Upper Wacker Drive. Yes. It's on top. It's two streets on one. <laughs> it's weird. It's confusing as fuck. Yeah. Especially when you didn't have, like, GPS in your phone. Oh, and you're yeah. like, what is happening? You're looking at your MapQuest fucking printout <laughs> trying to get around Chicago. God. Oh, man. Fucking bunk bed in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, it's it's it. been cleaned up pretty good. But back in the day, it was subterranean Chicago. And there were some weird people who lived in Lower there are, Wacker Drive. There are a lot of movies that show real Lower Wacker Drive. <laughs> instead of the world's biggest movie star walking up some German dude who's <laughs> Gonna stabbed him in the back already. Yes, they asked for like thirty dollars. I just wanted to make Provasic. Yes, Provasic. <laughs> Mike, what's uh, your two? What's your two? It was something else, but I think it's also the Fugitive. Like, hey, rock and roll. It's fucking great. I love that movie. It's fun. It's based on a TV series, apparently. Yes. Right. I don't yes. know if that's based on anything else, but like the TV series from the sixties or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it was. Uh, I've not seen it, but I don't, yeah. I don't, this is a point we didn't bring up, I don't think. That's and, fair. Uh, he actually made a couple of remakes, and Sabrina was a remake. Oh, yeah, Sabrina, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Force but, Awakens was a remake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, real fast. Just, <laughs> sequels as remakes. So, on the TV show Scrubs, starring the star of Garden State, there's the janitor. <laughs> his name is Neil something. I can't remember right now. But his character in that 
doesn't have a name. They just call him janitor. And then one day the guy from scrubs watches the fugitive and he's on there and he brings it up to him. He goes, no, that's not me. And at the end of the, at the, end of the episode, the guy, John C. McGinley. Oh, he wish he wishes he was in that movie. <laughs> uh, at the end of the episode, the janitor goes, Kimball. And then he admits to being the guy in the movie. So everybody who was watching the scrubs at that time realized that that actor is playing himself. He is that actor from <laughs> he's a fugitive. He's just himself as a janitor in Scrubs. Wild. I've, I've yeah. told the story on the podcast about how my mom's good friend was the doctor who was the head of the OR at Stroger, where they filmed that. But it's just kind of a fun story because they had a lot of the real doctors at Stroger as the extras. And she was the head of the OR and Julianne Moore basically just kind of went over and started talking to her because she wanted to like go over the lines and see if this sounded real. And she ended up kind of being friends with Julianne Moore. And then even crazier, they were told very specifically not to talk to Harrison Ford. Like anybody who was an extra or an ancillary character was not to speak to him. (laughs) And he was like at the craft services table. And like when he came over, everyone got like really quiet and weird. And one of the people who was like being quiet and weird was my mom's friend. And uh, they started whispering like, it's him. And then Harrison Ford like came over, literally like holding a cookie. He's like, what are we whispering about? <laughs> and they were like, we're not supposed to talk to you. And he's like, who, who told you you weren't supposed to talk to me? And they were like one of the PAs. And he's like, he's like, you're allowed to talk to me. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And like, this is on the set of Scrubs? <laughs> yeah. That's wild. He's just visiting him and Tommy Lee. They show yes, up. That's it is wild. on the set of Scrubs. My number two, I'm doing it. It is Last Crusade. It is mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. The movie begins with the end of another Indiana Jones movie in which he's on a boat with the bad guy who stole the thing out of Kid River Phoenix, Indiana Jones's hand, and the other bandit guy gave him the hat, and then the hat comes back up, and they're on a boat that's in a huge rainstorm, mm-hmm. and it belongs in a museum. So do you. Like, it's, oh, man, it is awesome. It, that, that's maybe one of the coolest things about Indiana Jones is every movie starts at the end of another movie. Absolutely. Every yes. time. Yes. And it's fucking great. And it also becomes the Paramount uh, Mountain. Always. But, like, yeah, it's always the end of another movie. It's a serial. You're introduced, though, into this fun adventure. You get the, the, mm-hmm. the climax of another adventure, and then you get brought into this other adventure. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. It's awesome. The also, old- you need to start off with showing an old person doing something they can't do at the very beginning <laughs> and pulling it off. So the rest of the movie, when they're single-handedly killing all the Nazis, yeah. like, oh, yeah, he totally did that. He did that other yeah. thing at the beginning of the movie. He was only, like, 50 years old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The Obi-Wan Club at the beginning of Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is solid. And then Dan Aykroyd being cut out of that entire movie. He gets like two lines when they put him. Dan Aykroyd is the guy who puts him on the plane. Holy like, oh, shit. That's yes, right. Yes. I yes. am so glad he got cut out. <laughs> <laughs> no time for love, Dr. Jones. He was 38 when he was on Solo. Like Alan Rickman's first movie was. First of all, Alan Rickman's first movie was Die Hard. He mm-hmm. was 38. And uh, yeah. Ridley Scott didn't direct a movie until he was 39. Yeah. Ridley is never going to die. He literally is Waylon Yutani. So it's time now for the final one. Nicholas, what is your number one? 
My number one is your number two. Ooh. That's disgusting. But <laughs> <laughs> he's pissing shit. Oh yeah. All just it's Last Crusade. That movie just makes me happy and I am never happy. Uh, but there's a scene in there where he uses a flag. They're on the motorcycle, him and his dad. Yeah. And he uses it to knock the dude mm, off the bike. Yeah. And then he like, the dude flips and then Indian is looking back and he's all smiling and he just looks down at his disapproving father <laughs> and you just slowly watch Harrison Ford turn into grumpy old Harrison Ford. <laughs> just like in a matter of seconds, he goes through like six emotions. It is beautiful to watch. Yes. But also it's fucking hilarious. It's the funniest out of, out of all of them. Mm. It is the dad mm-hmm. humor that Mike mentioned before, yeah. but it works, and you got the old guy who, like, uh, his friend who was walking around India going, anyone know where I am? <laughs> <laughs> He'll, he has He'll friends from here to the crowd. Sudan. Yeah. He'll disappear. <laughs> Never find him. Marcus Brody. Yes. Also, Mar- the, the, the fat guy from Sliders. Yes. I love that actor, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, he was always Indiana Jones' sidekick. Like. Mm-hmm. What is your number one, Mike Hayes of B-Movie Mania fame? Well, let me tell you <laughs> about what my number one pick is of B-Movie Mania fame. And it's, I'll tell you what, it ain't a B-Movie. Mm. Uh, oh, wow. It's, it's, well, wow. I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe it was early movies, he made some Bs, but it's Raiders. Raiders Ooh. of the Lost Ark. All the real Indiana Jones movies are very good. Um, <laughs> and so, like, they, I think it just different feels, you know? Like, I, I love Temple Doom is my favorite, but I think Raiders is just a fucking classic, perfect film. And I think that's the one that there's a slot for my number one. I agree. I agree with you entirely. And Raiders is super iconic in its own. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just, it's just like a classic film. Yeah. It's just great. And it's the, the, you know, last crusades, the more humorous of the group, I think, but it's, Perfect, you know how it is. Anyway, it's just it, they all have different moods, and they're so great. Whatever mood you're in that day, you can find an Indiana Jones movie to watch it. <laughs> if you're feeling real shitty, you can do King of Crystal Skull, I guess. But <laughs> like you know, don't do that to yourself. More Temple of Doom. Yeah, like get, Temple of Doom. If, if you're, you're feeling, feeling moody, goth. get, get yeah, that right. Temple of Doom in there. Get that Kalima. Kalima. Yeah. You know, all that kind. If the dude in your band just quit while you're making a new Cure record. Yeah. After 45 years, watch Temple of Doom. <laughs> I will go with the moodier of all of them. My number one for Harrison Ford is The Empire Strikes Back. It's the one where he really starts to jump out. It's the one where he, I love you, I know. And then he's frozen in carbonite. Like, it's, oh, man, the Millennium Falcon doesn't work the entire, it's not my fault. (laughs) There's, uh, it's just... It's kind of secretly the Harrison Ford movie. Like, it's the one yeah. where he, I know there's a lot of awesome Mark Hamill and Yoda stuff, but. Very recently, somebody was talking to me like, I love you. I was like, yeah, I know. And I was <laughs> just like, you can only be Harrison Ford when you say shit like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing. He's super pristine in it. It's mega iconic. I have nothing bad to say about The Empire Strikes Back. I will say that well gentlemen i think it's been an absolute pleasure i think we did it for one of the great heroes of american cinema truly only bad guy in one movie that nick did not like seemingly (laughs) but he is one of the great chicago heroes as well 
was Harrison Ford. I think we pulled it off. Thank you so much, Mike Hayes, for being here. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. Yes. 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 Go listen on. to B Movie Mania. Yeah, absolutely. Listen to another three of our episodes. Yes. It is an amazing podcast. Please do it. I listen to it all the time. It is super fun. You guys do a great job. Also, Karate Christmas. I, I listened to it over and over again. I don't know why. What do you mean over and over again? I've listened to all of your I've episodes. I've on him rubbing his nipples while I was on. <laughs> all right. But not quite. I've definitely, of your episodes that you've ever done, I think I've listened to Karate Christmas like three times. Really? Okay. Well, I, that's very flattering because I do A, love that episode. B, also that fucking movie. Have you watched the mm-hmm. movie? Karate Christmas is insane. Uh, so I guess here's a plug. Uh, come December, if you're in Chicago at the Native, I'm going to show the a Karate Christmas Miracle as, yes! as a B-movie bingo. Night. Yes! Also, there's going to be a very special Halloween episode, which maybe Mike Hayes will be a part of as well, if he has any interest that we are doing at the Native on October 26th. We are having a very special show called Stories Under the Stairs, which there's going to be some spooky stuff. Also, some blockbuster film school. It's going to be a fun, grand old time. Come out. There'll be alcohol. Also, it's a great bar. Uh, We will continue this. We love you guys very much. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. Nicholas Sauter, I think you did a great job. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the enthusiasm right there. Yeah. With super producer Brian Taps, I'm Alex Bonner. I think that uh, it is now the end of the show. We hurt you guys very much. Follow us on Instagram and uh, like and subscribe. I'd this. say uh, pop on to iTunes and give these sweet boys a nice rating. A nice review. It helps for some uh, reason still, it but really it does. does. It's so bizarre. Get on there. Get on to iTunes. iTunes? Yeah. iTunes? I t- I t- am I pronouncing that right? What iTunes. is that? It's, it's iTunes? iTunes? iTunes. 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 Go on there. Give them a five-star review. Even if you think it's four, give them that fucking five. Yeah, what are you going to be a jerk about it? It's not going to hurt you. Give them five. All right, team. We love you. That's Blockbuster Film School. Remember to do drugs. Drive your car real fast. Be excellent to each other. We'll see you guys next time. Love you.